The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Jeremy, it's all your fault. Which, which part? How I got back into UFOs. It's all uh, your fault. If it, it wasn't for that awesome documentary on Bob Lazar, you got me, buddy. <laughs> that, that, you know, I want to weaponize your curiosity, Joe. That's it. Yeah. So Dave, with, Dave Foley got you back in. No, he didn't. No, no. Um, Dave Foley, uh, I was excited to hear that he had become obsessed with UFOs. Yeah. But he didn't really get me back in. It was the documentary. The documentary was so compelling. It's really good. And folks, if you haven't seen it, it's called uh, Area 51 and Fl- Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. It's Nailed it. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Thanks, man. Um, that documentary for me was the reason why I started making films. I picked up a camera. I just wanted to know if that guy was telling the truth. Um, I was not a filmmaker. I was highly unqualified, like a lot of things that I do in my life that I end up loving. So that movie, the story, is what made me interested too. How'd you get Mickey Rourke? Well, that's a fucking weird story. Um, there's a tattoo shop called Mark Mahoney's Shamrock Social Club. Do you know about this? Yeah, I've heard of that place before. Okay, so Mark's been a good friend of mine, or I've been a friend of his since I was probably too young to be getting tattoos. And he let me come in and film for a couple years right before that movie, and he doesn't let like let a lot of people in there to film. Um, and Mickey came in one day, and Mark's like, oh, you know, Jeremy's filming. Can you want to talk to him about UFOs? And Mickey's like looking at me like, you know, what the fuck's this guy? Somehow, he ends up taking this stiletto and trying to like stick me in the ribs with it, you know, like just play, kind of joking. But you got Mickey Rourke with a stiletto just getting a tattoo, kind of jabbing you with a, you know, that so that kind of bonded us, kind of. He thought he was I was trying to stab you. That's he was, he was poking. He was poking me. Yeah, he was he was poking me in the ribs. So um, that was my introduction to Mickey. But he's got this voice that's like a fucking. Tibetan monk, you know, like gravelly mm. and, and I know because I had to take his audio and Listen to it. And it's just it's so bizarre. And I thought who better to do this like Controversial story than the controversial Mickey fucking Rourke talking poetry, you know mm. through the film so he was kind of that voice of Our curiosity in the film. So that's how I got him. But basically I just sent an offer and he never responded so I went back to the tattoo shop randomly one day to see Mark. In walks Mickey, and I, I made a joke. I was like, oh, you just like to poke me with a stiletto, but you don't take my movie offer seriously. And he goes, what offer? And I'm like, I, 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 want, I need a narrator. Like in the next seven days, I have to deliver the film. And he goes, I never got the offer. The next fucking day, he came in, because I know Mark was telling him, oh, no, help the kid out, you know? He came in and he fucking recorded with me. He saved my ass, man. Otherwise, they'd have to hear my voice in the movie because I didn't have anybody. Well, your voice would have been fine, but it was cool well, to have his voice. Thank you. I, I love that shit, man. People say his mouth sounds like he's got marbles in it. Well, I he's fucking a, love it. That guy's lived a weird life, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's... He, I think people like that sometimes are misunderstood. Like, I've seen this like incredible side of him in that he's like a gentle person, you know? Hmm. Is yeah. he fascinated with UFOs? He told me his UFO experience. And he had a UFO experience? He, he did. He did. And he let me record it with him. And um, I think like anybody, he's interested in this topic. I think once you see something that you can't explain, it, it gets worse. You know, you get a little more frustrated about it because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to learn, what did I just see? So I think he, like most of us, you know, are, are interested in it. Yeah. 
Um, well, let's just get into it because there's been a lot going on lately. There's uh, yeah. a, obviously there's been a shit ton of sightings, and there's been uh, a lot of discussion uh, with high level people about what these things are, what they are. What is what's the latest and greatest in UFO information? Right. The, the world, in my opinion, has really changed since we started talking about this. So our history is, you know, you asked me to come in with Bob. We mm -hmm. did that. Okay, the idea that there's craft, that maybe our government has some and been reverse engineering them. And then uh, came in with Fravor, and we talked about his personal military encounter. And then our history goes to then George, George Knapp is here, who's like the godfather of the history of this. Bam, after that episode, man, things started really going crazy. And, and, and this is where our Senate and Senate Intelligence Committee and our Congress and our Senate was like, we want a preliminary report. We now know that there were these UFO programs, OSAP and ATIP. We want a report. And remember that was like pending, that was looming, a report's coming. Yeah. So George and I made a little plan to poke the bear you know we're like what can we put out that is like good solid evidence that shows we need to talk about this so that's when we took the opportunity to make those drops right and those drops were uh, nine pieces of visual evidence that were filmed by our military so if, if people were watching along that time you'd see that in a series of a month I think uh, we released images from an FA-18 out the window where they're saying they're seeing these things every day, photographs from an iPhone. I obtained and released video that was confirmed by the Pentagon in a rare move the next day on some of these drops, that these are real unidentifieds, that they're being studied, and they were filmed by our military. They could have just denied it forever. So we like poked the bear, we drop them, boom, 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 let's see. Let's see what the and world. And how are you, you dropping them on Twitter? You dropping them on uh, Instagram? Like you doing it everywhere? How are you doing? Just it? social media. Just start mm -hmm. Instagram, Twitter, like that. I just it it, it democratizes this idea of information flow. I, I don't know everything that I'm putting out. I vetted and verified it, but then to have the Pentagon come in and confirm that. Now, now they did that because I made sure they had it the day, few days before I dropped it. So mm. it's like there was record that I provided it to them. Got it. So. These people um, know you because of your documentary and because of your uh, appearances on the podcast. And so these military guys with this information, they reach out to you. Yeah. So, so that's e even before my even before my first documentary, you know, I was talking with Fravor. I got a tip. I had been on this beat. I've been trying to find out more. So people would start to come to me. And then after those relationships have obviously been public where people bring me stuff it's happening more and more and a lot of more disinfo come in my way as well people try to trick me all the time like what kind of stuff have just you give me fake documents give me fake photos hope i run with a fake story you know Do you think it's just jerker offs just like i don't know why i said that word that jerk way off. Jerk jerker off. offs. <laughs> had a hard time with it do you think it's just jerk offs or do you think it's uh like do you think it's do you ever think the government has given you misinformation? I'm the least paranoid person that I know. Are you really? I, yeah, I, 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 I am literally, I always think everything's okay. My fucking dog can be dying, and I'm like, it's okay, baby, don't worry about it. Like, I'm the least paranoid person, so other people say shit like that to me. To me, right. you just got assholes that want to confuse the topic. We do it to ourselves, you know. Or people that just want attention or, for whatever or, reason. Or people, no, but it can be anonymous. Some right. of the stakes of anonymous, so you get this thing where... 
it's like maybe someone just wants me to make a mist. Everybody would love for me to be wrong on right. shit and make a misstep, and then they can discount everything else I've ever released. Has ever anything ever sent you something where you like on the fence about? Where you like, oh, I don't dude, know if this is legit or not. You know, I sit on stuff for years, vetting it and having other people vet it. Yeah, I've got tons of stuff, videos. For years, really? For years, George goes crazy. As a newsman, <laughs> as a newsman, you want to put it out right now. And he right. goes, we can vet it right now, real quick. And he's right. But I like to see where the person's coming from. I like to get to know them. You know, so I, I like to see what their motivation is, whether mm. the information's true or not. I don't want to be used. Yeah. So just to bring you kind of back up to date with, you know, we kind of went through the history of how we're talking about this. And, and, and you're, thank you for giving attention to this topic. And more and more people are coming. It's my guiltiest pleasure. Oh, dude, I think mine too. <laughs> you know, this is not all that I do in life. It's just I what I love. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's the guiltiest pleasure. Uh, so, so then, you know, big things have happened. So, so when George and I poked the fucking bear and we put out this footage and it was vetted, I vetted it, right? Now, what it shows, that's up to other experts. I reported what I, what I was exposed to in classified briefings that I shouldn't have seen. And what I released is completely legal for me to, to, to release. It was unclassified, but it was contained in a classified briefing. Now, if somebody sends me shit, you know, I open my email, what, what I, I can't. We should probably tell people like what some of these videos are. Sure. One of them was those classic, those bizarre pyramid-shaped video, uh, the yeah, video yeah, pyramid-shaped. Triangle shaped. by angle of observation, and in the classified um, section, it goes into depth that they were pyramids. There's a lot of argument about that publicly, like does it show an optical effect mm. where it's it's not what it appears. That's not it. No, That's I'll, a different thing. I can, the pyramid ones were the ones that were in the lower, if you see that lower uh, lower column, I mean, right, I can give right you the below videos. there to the left, the green, right there. That's it. Yeah. So that's the ones that they were seeing. Well, I, there's good video, and, and we should go through the pieces of footage, but the one on the left is what they're seeing every damn day on the East Coast. Um, that one would be considered one that has a payload or could have a payload. So most are spheres, like with cubes in them. That, that is the strangeness of it. Most of them are cubes surrounded by a translucent sphere. I've heard of pyramids. Mo so most of them. Most of them that are on the East Coast right now with increased frequency and also over war zones. So right now, people got, went so fucking crazy when I said this, and I know we're jumping around. But That's okay. Over active war zones right now, there is such an increased frequency of what they call UAP or UFO, that they have these rules whether or not they fire upon them. And people got so mad at me for saying publicly on the news that we do fire at UAP, UFOs, because we fucking do. But why we do is not what people think. So when you have an active war zone, specifically the area of the world that I'm talking about in the Middle East, anything within 27 to 30 miles of ground troops gets fired upon, that's it. But I was exposed to documents that tell me a little bit more precisely how you choose what to fire upon. And what you fire upon is anything that appears that it could have a payload. Really? Yeah, because it would be a threat. What do they do with, like, the cubes surrounded by this, these spheres? Fucking nothing. Because they don't look like they have a payload. So they disregard. They're not part of the mission. So my point in saying that kind of on the news, I don't need to prove to anybody it's true. It is true. I, am, I speak with people that are there right now. It is true. And there's been such an increased frequency since 2021 that it has been pushed up to kind of like critical where they're like, 
okay, these things are in our airspace, we could have collisions, but more importantly, like we see other countries firing on these. Russia, Syria, we know it's not their assets. So the question is, whose are these? So when you say firing at these, so... Hellfire missiles. Right, so you have this thing, and yeah. what shape are these ones that have payloads? Okay, well that's, that's what's crazy. So I, I do, I have images of one that we fired on, and for Can you show us the image? Um, I'll show you. I'll show okay. you. Yeah. Show me right now. <laughs> I'll show you. I'll show you, but I think I think you can't it's, show it publicly. Yet? I don't know because it, it comes from because it comes from a document I probably shouldn't have seen. But you know, people send things to me in ways that I can look at them. So okay. Anyway, let's talk about that later. So okay, it looks so like this. Looks like a fucking jellyfish, man. Like a jellyfish. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, you know, it's stiff, but that you know, about the size of like a big coffee table. That's the one at least that we've that we've fired on recently. A big coffee like this desk, maybe. Yeah. About okay. 10 to 12 feet. And then it looks... Domed. And then it has like... And they're not all like this, but this is the one we're talking about that I know was recently fired upon. And what do they think it's made out of? See, that's the whole thing, man. Is it like metallic? That, that's the whole thing. There's no retrieval program that's known in, in these war zones. So even if they did hit something, like, first of all, would they be able to take it down, whatever it is, right? And right. by the way, we're eliminating that these are balloons, you know, drug smugglers who mm -hmm. use balloons and shit like that. Th these, are, these are objects that uh, have controlled flight. So, you know, back in the day with the Foo Fighters, this is not a new phenomenon, right? Back in the, the day with the Foo Fighters. People need to understand that it's not just a band. The Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, man. Uh, so World War II, you know, you had these both sides of the war, you know, all sides seeing these metallic spheres outpacing their planes. And they're like, oh, fuck, they're up to something. They got some cool technology. The problem is we find out both sides think it's, you know, the other sides. Right. This has been happening for so long. I have an article. We can pull this up. I got an article from 1960. Talks about a, a cube. With the with the loom with a sphere around it, a fighter pilot, military fighter pilot, for four days they were getting these. It was in the Alamogordo newspaper. So I'm just saying that this that's, is not is that New Mexico. Yeah, Alamogordo. Yeah, it's. I think that's you know, an interesting area. Yeah. And so these Foo Fighters. Yeah. The, these uh, was were both sides reporting the same yes. like sort of formations and the same speed. We thought it was their technology, right? They thought it was ours what's happening right now in the Middle East with the UFO? same thing Yeah, because we're seeing Russians and Syrians fire on these and we're sometimes firing on them But whose are they when you say we're seeing so is this we're like seeing. reports from soldiers that you're getting? Like, yeah, where, where are you getting this information? Okay, so people that work in these um, People that work in collecting this data are a little bit frustrated and why, you know, that's why I want to become unnecessary. Why do they come to me? Right. And I think they're, they're frustrated that they don't, that they don't have a way to put it up through the chain of command, that, mm. they, that it gets lost in translation. Or they just suppress it. They don't even spend, I don't even think it's nefarious. They just don't spend the gas to go look at something that doesn't, it's not part of the mission. Right. There's no proactive UFO kind of like discovery process. It's all kind of reactive. That's one of the weirdest things about Commander David Fravor's account was that when he was talking about uh, being uh, in radio communication with the Nimitz and they were saying, we see these things every day. 
And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, yeah. You see this every day? You see these tic-tac-shaped things that shoot off faster than you can see? And that literally can go from above 50,000 feet above, above 80, sea level? 000, that's right. 80,000 feet above sea level to, to zero like that. So hypersonic velocity without yeah. signature they call that right that means and it was it was who's the guy uh, no sonic boom right was that that's the whole yeah. point moving faster than the speed of sound with no sonic boom no nothing, heat signature nothing does that no n visible means of propulsion you you got it man yeah. that's so this is the mystery this is the question like i don't care where ufos are from you know, I don't care if it's extraterrestrial, if it's extra temporal. I mean, we can go to, through so many ideas. What's extra temporal? So, so here are the, the prime theories: the extraterrestrial from another, you know, right. world, extra temporal from another time, and you could say extra temporal, oh. extra dimensional. What it's do the you same think? Thing. If you had to put your money on it. Oh fuck! I ain't putting money on this. No fucking way. A couple bucks. A couple <laughs> bucks. Okay, well that, that changes things. Just for fun. Just for fun. Two bucks. I think I would. I'm getting mixed message. What do you think? What do you think? I would bet interdimensional. That's Why? what I think. I think there's something about the whole feeling of it that seems so weird. It's almost like alternative timelines. The whole feeling of it feel, feels so weird. It's also the problem is it's, it's all of it is so exciting and so interesting that you get lost in the excitement and it's very difficult to get. Uh, an objective mindset to oh, achieve an objective sure. mindset. I'm, it's very hard for me to be objective because I love it so much. But I, th I mean, look, we got a UFO yeah. there. We got a fucking alien. Up I mean, there. how cool? We got, we got shooting stars in yeah. the ceiling. It's like it's so obsessed with it. But I have this bizarre feeling that the more we're, we understand about reality, the more we're going to realize that these um, these physicists, these string theorists, that create these models of the universe based on multiple dimensions that we can't access. I mean, there's, I think they think there's 11 dimensions, right? I don't have any idea. I, I think, can barely live in this one. Let's see if it's up to 26. There's it's 11 like agreed upon, but there's, I've read that yeah, it goes up to, there could be up to 26. I don't even know what like that means. Right, what does that mean? I have no idea. Right, does that mean that there are existences inside these dimensions like other universes and worlds? They just exist in a different dimension, and is that what it means? I mean, this is like some Doctor Strange type shit. <laughs> I mean, is there are there, you know, the thought of alternative timelines that there's consistently different timelines that are happening simultaneously, like an infinite number of them, and that you accessed all of them depending upon your choices and how you live your life and what you do, and that thing we we think of this as being like a static state of existence, but it's actually not that we float back and forth between all these different potential timelines and existences. Yeah. I, I see those things, the way they travel and the way they move, and yeah. I wonder, like if there were interdimensional travelers that had access to technology that just violated all of our understanding of how right. you could travel, that's kind of what it would look like. And that, you know that there's evidence to support that, and there's evidence to support the extraterrestrial thing. Yeah. And there's also evidence to support that they're showing us whatever we, they want us to see. Right. So, so this idea that you could pop in to our timeline, that is consistent with what we see with these things in that they seem to, it's like there's a bubble around an area and they, they seem to kind of come in 
Some people can see it. Some people can't. Sometimes it's on radar. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can see it in thermal, but you can't see it in the IR. A lot of military guys see that when, when they track these things on radar. Can't see it visually, but it's fucking there. Hmm. So this idea, there is consistency with the idea that they kind of pop into place right there. There's also data that, that would suggest that these are extraterrestrial and that our satellites pick these up. Now, head of, uh, the, I don't remember what, he, John Ratcliffe, he was the de- deputy director of defense, I, I think, he talked about that. He mentioned that. So all these admissions from people now, we're catching these on satellites. We're catching these, um, so that's space, in our, in, the, in our airspace and then under sea as well, a USO or whatever. So when you say they're catching them underseas, how uh, are they? Uh, optically or through our sensor systems under sea, we're able to track them and sonar. Is there any video of a thing? Nothing that's under- public yet that I know of, but um, I am hyper aware of footage, sonar-based evidence under sea. If you noticed in the congressional hearings on UFOs, first time in 50 fucking years, by the way, um, when they brought that up, the undersea thing, they said close, close session. Couldn't say it fast enough. Like, we're not going to talk about that public session. Really? Yeah, because we have great fucking sensors under the ocean. So Defense sensors. You think that there's something that can, what, what is it called, a transmedium device? That's right, transmedium, man. We talked about that yeah. years ago. Yep. And so this is something that could fly through space and it also can go through the ocean. All domain. So and- if this thing is manipulating, like what, the, what, what Bob Lazar described was something that essentially bent space and time around it That's and right. moved in that w- manner. Instead of being pushed by a force like a rocket, mm-hmm. this thing or is- Or roller skates. Yeah. This thing is grabbing a hold of space and time and pulling itself towards whatever destination it wants to go to. Yeah. And that, that was the thing that really flipped my script is the idea of like when I heard him say that when I was a kid, instead of pushing to get somewhere, because c- look, the argument has been of course there's life out in the universe. I mean, look at the fucking web you know, photograph. Of course, there's, there's got to be life homogeneously out there, but they're never coming here. That was the Einsteinian thought, right? We can't travel faster than the speed of light. Right. Okay, well, that's like saying, you know, okay, well, I got a horse, but can you imagine, you know, one of Elon's rockets? Maybe you can't imagine that, right? right? But this idea that you could fall in time and space... Distance becomes irrelevant. Medium becomes irrelevant. That's where the transmedium craft, they believe, the people researching this within our government, believe that these craft are gravity propelled. That's why there's the new programs called All Domain, because it's space, air, and sea. And in the congressional language for the UFO whistleblower stuff that's going on, where people can come forward, it's going to be set into law. They've already written it. The language is amazing. People are going to be able to come forward and talk about how, how they worked on legacy UFO programs, like reverse engineering programs. Like, So when you say people are going to be able to, meaning the government is going to drop the restrictions that people were former employees? I feel like I'm doing a horrible job of getting people up to date with what's happening in the UFO because so much has happened. It's like overwhelming. But yes. It's okay. So what's happened is if we follow the steps, all of a sudden, George and I, we release all this content. You know, people go kind of crazy over it. Then... Um, they put out this preliminary report and say we had 143 cases and we solved, you know, one of them. And these are like military cases where there's like extraordinary movements with these crap. 
then all of a sudden Congress is like, well, shit, you know, we had OSAP, we had ATIP, who's studying this? Let's get a hold of it. And they got real interested. So they started saying, hey, you, we need to start a program. Then, then the Department of Defense came up with some crazy ass acronym names that nobody could ever make out, AIMSOG and shit like that. And Congress got even more pissed, I, as the way I, I read it. I mean, I know some of the people involved and their minds have been blown by what they've seen in these classified briefings. It changed their whole way of thought. And they realized that there are programs being hidden, illegal programs being hidden from congressional oversight related to UFOs. So their language now, it wasn't created in a void. When you read in the National Defense Authorization Act for 2023, UAP, it is UFO whistleblower language. If you've ever signed an NDA relating to one of these illegal programs without oversight dealing with UFOs, not only can you come forward, but they have changed it so that if there's any reprisal on you for coming forward, like let's say you work at Lockheed and you've been tinkering with some fucking UFO and there's any reprisal on you, you have ways to uh, like defend yourself. Like they, they took away the cap of $300,000 of what you know has to be awarded to you if, if there's reprisal. Holy shit. All of a sudden, and I, I know why, because I know some of the people involved in this, they're, they're going to let people, they're demanding that if you have this information, you can ignore your NDAs. And I know so people- So let's, let's get into this. Yeah. So what is happening here? Yeah. So is it Congress does not have access to the information because the Pentagon has deals with these military contractors and they don't want to release the information to Congress? Like why, why is there this dispute of information? Do they not have access to information that they want to have access to? For sure. So that's why they're calling upon these people that have NDAs to come forward and that they'll protect them? I think it's a, a perfect storm. And I'm just going to, this is just, you know, I'm not part of Congress and shit. So I, I'm going to make an assumption from people I've talked with, right? I think what's happening here is the world has kind of become aware that UFOs are not fantasy, that there is a technological aspect, and that they fly with our, within our skies with impunity. And I think that this was stigmatized before, and I think we're talking about it now. And I think having that conversation has really made people say, hey, I want to fucking find out if it's true. Mm -hmm. And then when you read classified briefings and you see the data, even the, the preliminary shit, I think it changes your worldview. So, so what's happening is, Let's say, let's say Lockheed, because Senator Harry Reid has said in his interviews with George publicly, I heard for decades that they had, you know, uh, craft at yeah. Lockheed. And he goes, I asked, Senator Harry Reid, I asked to get in there and to see it. And he goes, they wouldn't give me the clearance. Uh, so he just straight said it. Mm. They wouldn't give him the clearance. So that, was, that kind of thing infuriates people, right? Now, imagine this. Imagine that you get... Uh, people take action against you for talking about this stuff like Lou Elizondo, you know, people, you know, lose a straight guy Straightforward, you know, I've gotten to know him There were actions taken against him, you know, kind of like what Lazar said happened to him, right? But this is like much more like public. They're saying he never worked in these programs. Harry Reid had to go defend him in a letter, right? There's other people you don't that, that are not public that also have had um, their careers try to be squashed because they're poking around on this stuff too much, right? They have gone internally to say, this has happened to me, 
Here's what I discovered. These are the programs. And then what's, what's occurred is the investigatory branches that are looking into this, they're like, holy shit, this is real? And we don't have oversight? And it's been proven to them. So when you say the data, when they look at the data, like what's the most compelling data? Yeah, I always want that question answered too. You mean for me or? Well, for you first and then what do you think about for like the people that are questioning this? It's so hard to live in a world now where you, 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 you have to question everybody and everything. Because for me, the most compelling evidence, it's not one video I can show you. It's not two videos I can show you. It's not documents I can show you. It's not the conversations I have with people. The world is creaking under the stress and the weight of the UFO reality. It's just omnipresent now. We're no longer just ignoring it. And our sensors have gotten better. And the frequency has increased. So you've got pilots like Ryan Graves who, who's saying, we were seeing these things every day. Who's Ryan Graves? Ryan Graves is an amazing pilot, uh, like Fravor, but his was in 2015, so the gimbal video where it mm -hmm. shows the saucer-type craft. Those were, that was his squadron, and they'd go out, and they'd see these things every day. And he was a flight safety guy, right? So he was like looking at this thinking, this is an issue. If, they almost hit one once. One of these cubes that, with a translucent sphere. So, so, so this is a, a safety of flight issue for a lot of people, right? I think it's, from a national defense standpoint, it's fucking important, right? Sure. Okay, so, so we've, got these, we've got these hearings now, these public hearings on UFOs, right? This is the first time in 50 years that we've had public hearings. People fought for that. They wanted the public to hear about it. They weren't getting testimony from Mike Fravor and all of them, although they should. That's the next step. They need to have people with direct experiences come up and let them talk. Let them tell what their realities were. Get rid of these NDAs for them. Yeah. But in that hearing, the, the closer we get, the, George keeps saying this, and I just keep saying he's like a pessimist, but he's right. This is all fun and games until we get close to it, like any of the real stuff, any of the goodies. If, if, if we have craft... And we've had it for a long time and we've been working on them, trying to reverse engineer them. If that is true, the closer the public gets to that, the harder the resistance. And we saw that because these UFO hearings, man, they showed one piece of the footage that I released for like the whole hearing. They're showing this one piece. It's the most inconsequential piece. It was from the USS Russell. It's the green one, that triangle by angle of observation thing. That's the one that's easiest to kind of dismiss visually. What they didn't show is I released from the USS Omaha, radar, thermal, deck footage. Um, I mean, just, it's like cumulative evidence. Congress and Senate were asking, what's up with UFOs? And they got swamp gassed. Like J. Allen Hynek, like just trying to sh put it under the rug. They go, oh, oh, we're pretty sure these were drones. That was never the argument. It's not if these were drones in 2019 swarming our Navy ships. You know, who was inside of one, it, they, they weren't big enough to hold people. It's not that they were drones. It was like some big revelation. Here's the question. Who were operating these units? How come we don't know that right off of the coast of California? Ten of our Navy ships were simultaneously swarmed by unknowns, unidentified. They couldn't figure out the launch. They couldn't figure out the landing point. 
They don't know who was operating these. And how far offshore were they? I mean, it was within a hundred mile radius because all the ships that were in this area were experiencing most of them simultaneously what they call swarming. But the thing is, is that I know for sure we don't know yet whose these were. How is that possible modern day? Mm. I don't know where these are from. I'm not even claiming that. And did these experience, or did they, they exhibit rather any extraordinary capabilities? Depends who you ask. So, so the answer to that is when I get people and I, I actively hunt for direct eyewitnesses for all this. So I've spoken with people who are, you say, operating the SPY-1 radar system, the same one in the Fravor case, this great system, right? I also spoke with people who had visual on these things. Some people say that they show one of what they call the five observables. That means, you know, this goes into the UFO category, which is instantaneous movement, right? Boom, straight up into space was the exact words said to me. I've got people on the other end of the spectrum where they just saw lights. So, no, in this case, it's not like Fravers. I don't have, we don't have footage of it, you right. know? Do they have data in terms of radar data, of speed and... Yeah, they, they do. They, and that's what I tried to kind of tell the public by releasing one slide that, that said that they believed it, that these craft were transmedium because the video I released, the black and white one from the USS Omaha, you can see it kind of phase out or drop into the water. They thought it was transmedium. They thought it went into the water. They sent a submarine, right, to try to look for it or wreckage. So I don't know with this case, man, I never hang my hat on one UFO case. What's interesting to me is the people involved, they feel like they failed at their duties. They didn't know precisely what to do in this situation because right off our coast. The thing is, is this is happening everywhere, man. Do they have a protocol for what to do in those situations? Like if you do encounter a UAP mm -hmm. or a UFO or whatever you want to call it, and they think it might be from an alien planet or whatever the fuck they think it's from, do they, do they have a protocol? Oh, you mean like the pilots? That yeah, I mean, is there like yeah. a military thing? Is there, if you see a UFO, is there something you're supposed to do? Now you can and are encouraged to report it. But before, it was so stigmatized. And people that are, you know, ground level on this say there's still crazy stigma. But you are now being encouraged to report it. And these reports have to, in a short amount of time, go up the chain of command. So I think we're, we're getting better reporting now. I think because it's a safety of flight issue. But at that time in 2019, when these ships were swarmed, yeah, that's this USS the one that, Omaha. Yeah, that goes into the water. Yes, that they believe that it it ends up going into the water. That's what the documents said, and the documents I was exposed to that I read made it made an argument for that, made a case for that. So it looks like now that it's hovering. Boy, is this shitty footage. Well, see, that's, I want my money back, Navy. I know, I know. Spend your goddamn camera money but, on. But do you understand that this is why I could release it is because this is an unclassified um, platform that's being filmed. Otherwise, mm. that would not be cool of me to release. So, so there it looks like it just went into the water. Right. Yeah. And, and so the thing is, is that there were many that were doing this. Like the guy, one of the people that was, you know, involved with these ships, fighting the ships. I was like, dude, where did they... Where do they come from? Because you got great radars and you, you right. have all the data. What? And he goes, I'm going to really regret saying this, but they just seem to appear. Which is so hard for someone who's like, their job is to, you know, deal right. with the ship. So, But if something is traveling the way they describe that tic-tac to travel, it would be like it just appeared. Yes. Or if it 
was transmedium, then they go, you know, the scan volume of the radar, it's, we got different sensors underwater than we do above. Mm-hmm. So like the, the spy one is good for high altitude. There's other radars that are good for middle and then underwater. So look, it's, it's anybody's guess. My, my whole thing is this. UFOs, whatever, they're, whatever they are, they're machines. Yeah. That's at least an aspect of it. Where, who's controlling them? Right. You know, it, like we should be able to answer some fundamental questions. And fuck, if we have one or more and we've been reverse engineering them or trying, which, which I'm confident we have been, beyond confident. Because of what you have spoken to Bob about. No, not, not just Bob, man. My, my everything, you know, all the people that come to me that I talk with, reports I've seen, just, you know, I know it annoys the fuck out of people. Just my, cumul- my cumulative personal experience tells me, oh, yeah, we, we fucking definitely have them. Not just Bob. So where do you think they got these UFOs from? Yeah. If, if we do have something and we've been working on back engineering it, where mm-hmm. do you think they got them from? Yeah, I get different answers, man, uh, from different people. Um, so you say crap, like some are crashes, right? Which is like hard to fathom that something that advanced could crash. Um, but that's what I'm told, you know, is that some were crashes. That's what, you know, that's how I understand it to be. Now, other people think maybe there was some from an archeological dig. That's what Bob said. I was surprised he talked about that. Yeah. He said that there was one that they had spoken about at S4 that they said that they had recovered from an archaeological dig, and they yeah. said it was a long time ago, and it's really old. Yeah. I think people need to not feel like they have to believe one thing to believe the whole thing. I think there's a cumulative weight here, and I think that we're, we're prying open the doors. If you read this language in Congress and Senate about the UFO immunity, our world is about to change, if we stick to our guns, if we push to get these answers, we're going to find out one way or the other. Is this just some... Right. We're, we're moving around a little bit here, though. Well, let's go back to the uh, these crafts that they're back engineering. Like, how are they getting these? Yeah. And why do you think that they have them? Okay, well, I'm, my experience tells me that they're getting them from what you'd call crashes, like down crashes. Oh, so all of them. So none of Not, them, none of them, like were a gift. That's the other kind of, I'd say, theory. As some yeah. people that are involved in in processing this information are like, it couldn't have crashed, man. It was perfect. It was like they must have left it for us. Some people believe that, but how do we know? I mean, that I, sounds so hokey. It, it does. Both things sound hokey. The crash sounds hokey. The whole fucking thing is extraordinarily bizarre. It doesn't mean yeah. it's not true, though. Right. That's the other thing that Bob said that I thought was really fascinating was that there was some documentation that they were uh, showing him that claimed that we are the product of accelerated evolution. He was showing a lot of shit, and he doesn't like talking about it because he doesn't know if it's just total fucking nonsense. Right. You know, he is sure that they showed him shit just to see if he'd fucking say crazy shit. Right, to see if he'd talk. All he, all he cares about is, the, is what he saw, what he knows is real. But if, if you do just talk with him privately, they did show him you know, a, a photograph of an autopsy of a being with a singular organ. They told him that, yeah, the human genome had been altered, you know, 
um, just all sorts of crazy shit. And he just has no idea if it's true or if it's. Mm. God, the whole thing is so, it's so wild. I just wish, you know, if Bob's lying, my God, what a great liar. Yeah. He's amazing at it. Right. And he's been telling the same lie for 30 plus years. And then there's elements of it that, how would he know that? Like, how would he know about Element 115? I mean, Element 115, when he was talking about it, it was theoretical. Yeah, he got lucky. He's the, lucky, he's the luckiest guy I know. He always chooses <laughs> shit that ends up being fucking right. I know. Uh, you know, That's gravity funny. waves and like, you know, how these crap op- Like, look, man. Explain the one Element 115 to people because uh, we don't, people who don't know what we're talking about that haven't seen the documentary or haven't sure. seen the podcast we did together. So, so the way Bob understood it was that there's, he was working on power and propulsion, right? So of one of these, we call them flying saucers, you know, fucking alien vehicle. That looked like this one. Exactly. Right here from exactly. Yeah. And, um, on the desk. E- you know, even like aerospace people are like, well, if, if, you know, it's the most ingenious thing is the way he described it powered, you know, people are impressed by it. I'm like, maybe that's just what he saw. But anyway, so the 115 was the power source, he said. And basically, you know, you put it in and it, it releases antimatter and creates a gravity propulsion, a, a, gravity, a gravitational field. And then you had a directional, three directional emitters. Look, that's how they think these things operate. Traveling faster than the speed of sound with no sonic boom, all, you know, transmedium all domain, these things seem to defy typical propulsion. It's not outside of the realm of what we understand. It's outside of the realm of what we can replicate now. One day we might catch up. And this element 115 that Bob talked about powering this spaceship Mm -hmm. was only theoretical back in the late 1980s when he first started discussing it. Right. We hadn't synthesized it yet. Right. Well, it wasn't a synthesizing. It was uh, was created by a particle accelerator, right? Exactly. It it really was detected because it was, I think it was But we smashed. Right. So we kind of synthesized in that we smashed particles okay, together and then we're like, oh, for like a second, there it was. Yeah, I think it's a, a fraction of a second. Yeah, and Bob always yeah. said that if he's right, if it was 115, that's how he understood it to be. Mm-hmm. If he's right, then we will someday, you know, be able to make a nominal amount of it that will be stable. That That's, yeah. you know, what he says. You got another one of those? Yeah, you want one? Yeah, I'll try one. Right, here we go. Thanks, man. Nice. Yeah, the whole thing is just so interesting, man. It, it never ends. Yeah, it never ends. It is interesting. I just like until something actually happens. And my thought is like, when something actually happens, how will people handle it? UFO whistleblower could get immunity under new amendment. So this is what you were talking about. Yeah. 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 Proposed Absolutely. And next. I mean, the the thing is, is, I I know some of the people doing this, and they're like. You know, they want some nominations, man. You know, who should talk to them? Well, you got your own fucking logo. There you go, buddy. Thanks, brother. Yeah, these are uh, Foundation Cigar, JRE Cigars. They're good. Shout out to my friend Nick from Foundation Cigars, too. Hooked me up with that cabinet. Got a full humidor up in this bitch now. Wow. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so this Element 115... This is uh, proven by a particle accelerator. And Bob Lazar's claim was that they had a stable 
um, amount of this element 115 that had come from this other place? And did they know where this other place was, where this element 115 supposedly had come from, What another planet? Yeah, I mean, again, this is like what he was told, so he's kind of allergic mm-hmm. to, but, um, you know, he said that the documents said Zeta Reticuli, like, you know, uh, I guess a binary star system or something. That's what were in the documents. Now, if that's true or not, look, remember, he thought it was the U.S. He thought this vehicle was ours. Right. And then he, he until he walked inside of it. That's his whole thing. It blew him away. You know, it's hard to buy what someone like Bob is telling you. If you don't know the person, you see people in their lives, man. Like, what do you imagine being him and that actually happening to you? And then you having to go back to reality. Right. And tell people or not tell people, just live your life. And have the burden of this information, the burden of this thought. Just uh, turn upside down the other way. There you go. Flip the top. I got to flip the top. There you go. And then pull down. I mean, the burden of that kind of information, when even discussing it, you seem like such a psycho. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Most people almost instantaneously, other than a real journalist like George Knapp, most people are going to think you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, they just dismiss you. Yeah. yeah. Why would you? Why would you even do it? Like, what would be your motivation? What would you get out of that? Well, his motivation was he was seriously worried that they were going to take him out. Yeah. Because he knew so much, and uh, they had cut off of his. T- For folks who don't know the whole story, I'll just give you a brief synopsis. What happened was Bob allegedly, was working on back-engineering these aircrafts, these vehicles, these spaceships. And uh, in doing so, you have to have a very high level of clearance. Well, with that high level of clearance comes complete government surveillance. So they monitor your phone calls, monitor everything. Turns out Bob's wife was having an affair. So they don't tell Bob that his wife's having an affair, but they cut off his job. They're like, you're too, you, too much of a potential to be emotionally unstable. We can't have you working on these top secret, super sensitive things. Yeah, it's logical. While, yeah, while your life is probably going to fall find out apart. Some bad shit. Yeah. So he doesn't know this, and so he's. They don't give him any information, so he freaks out, and so he starts telling his friends, and he's like, "Come with me. I'll show you the launch. I'm not lying." People forget that. Yes. It, he he went out and he showed people. A craft that didn't look like any normal craft come up right when he said it would. Yeah. Over a base that wasn't even known then really well, and a sub base, an area not Area 51 proper. He, again, he's the luckiest motherfucker in the world. He did it three weekends in a row till he got caught. Right. So it's just like, man, every time you try to call bullshit on him, I tried so hard on so many things, motherfucker. <laughs> people think I'm just some fucking believer. I'm not, bro. The only thing that people have ever called bullshit on him is that he said he might have seen an actual alien. But he said he was walking down a hallway and looked through one of those little tiny windows that's in a door. You know, those little tiny, like, uh, 12-inch square windows. And he peered in it quickly as he was walking by, and it seemed like there was a small thing that was sitting on a chair, and there's people standing over it. But he doesn't know if it was a doll he doesn't know if it was, a, and so in his mind, he's like, fuck, did I see an alien? Like, what the fuck? But he can't go back. It's not, like, everything's, if you work on top secret stuff, apparently, everything's very compartmentalized. 
like the people that work on metallurgy don't have access to the people that work on propulsion that don't have access to the people that if there is a biological entity that they examine it which frustrated the fuck out of him right because he said that's not how you do science it's not how you do science right you have and, to he, and he, he says i wasn't the most qualified person to be there maybe right. they hired me because they could easily dismiss me you know he's like why didn't we have better people on this you know people that were more so he was really frustrated and he said to me like he thought it was a crime against the scientific community you know to if they have this stuff like he says you know he says it was a, a crime and you know he he talks about that thing through the window he's so funny about it you know i sat him down for long you know many sessions long really trying to get at him get it out of him yeah he goes you know jeremy i think they were just obsessed with measurements i go well, what do you mean and he and he's like well Look, there was somebody in something in a chair, but it was small. Maybe they were trying to just measure it to see if it would fit in a craft. So that's how he kind of gets around. Like, did he see something or not? He doesn't right. know. Like, it could have been a doll that they that's constructed that was roughly the same height as these things were. He just doesn't want to go there, right? And so these creatures that were in this vehicle, if there were were creatures in this vehicle, there were three seats. Yeah, and he estimated they had to be how big. Your typical, like what you think of as like a little gray alien man, three, four feet. Right. He said they look like they were made for children. Mm. The seats. Yeah. And so, look, and every time I try to be like dismiss Bob myself, there's something that creeps in my mind. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like, I find out that he that he was telling the truth. Like, recently I had it verified that, you know, he did work at Air 51. Like, I know I, know I had a guy. I found the guy after 30 years that, that wouldn't, he wouldn't talk with George, the guy that did a security clearance. Mm-hmm. I found him. I talked to him multiple times about this, and he did clearance for Bob for the test site. But even more recently, from people that have position to access that information, it was confirmed. I just want you to know he worked out there. Now, I have people that were out there that saw him on a Janet flight. Bob worked out there. And a Janet flight is uh, those un the, unmarked planes that would leave from the uh, Vegas airport and head into area 51 that's right and and uh you know so here's the deal man like it's the cumulative evidence about bob that i you know as a friend of his like i you know i have no reason to doubt him and all the evidence tells me that it happened exactly like he said and he's explaining it to the best of his ability and to his own detriment actually before coming on your show man he's probably the most hated dude for some reason people go crazy about him they either love him or hate him well, I think your documentary turned a lot of people's opinions about him as well. Thank you, brother. But then having him on, I mean, some people still call bullshit. They think, like, his migraines That's were okay. convenient. Oh, come on. That, you but, saw, yeah, you saw But that. he was having them. He was having them in the green room before we started going on. He was I, very nervous about doing it. Of course, man. He'd been beat up his whole life about this shit. Also, I gave him McDonald's before. I think his wife was super <laughs> pissed at me. And I was like, here, here, give him a salad. No, he gets really, like, crushing migraines. But, you know, people that are going to call bullshit on that, we're talking about fucking UFOs. If you're going to call bullshit on a migraine, what are you even listening for? I, I, I didn't feel like it was bullshit. It wasn't I felt bullshit. like the whole thing was, it was uncomfortable for him, for sure. But it didn't seem like he was lying. But, you know, look, some people that are really good at liars. But usually when you're really good at lying, you lie about a lot of stuff. You yeah, that's the thing. There's a, about... there's a consistency yeah. in people's lives. And the deeper I got in, chilling with his mom, chilling with his family, chilling with yeah. friends that have known him forever, new friends, every single person. And he doesn't talk to him about UFOs, by the way. Like all that. So he never talks about that. Just normal life situations. Right. The, the, the one thing they all said to me, 
Bob wouldn't waste his fucking time with making up a story and he'd probably make up a better one that in the rest he would and Bob <laughs> right. always says that he goes man I wish I could fill the voids for people he goes it's a horrible fucking story but he goes, it happens to be what happened right if I was making one up he goes man I got some other cool ideas like, you know what I mean right but, of course of course and also it's like if you're a liar you generally lie a lot like liar, liars don't just lie one time that's in their right. life and then you catch them they're inconsistent like he was lying long before there was an internet I mean, or excuse me, he was telling the story long before the, there was an internet. So if he was lying, mm-hmm. like in the late 80s, like there, there would be inconsistencies in his story. Like yeah. he would forget how he said it, he would fuck something up or... Dude, for the research I did for this, for the documentary, like I, I told him, you got to give me full access to your life, dude. Like boxes, whatever, don't mm-hmm. open them. Let me get all your tapes, everything. Right. I was so shocked, like people... If they're trying to hide something, they're real careful around you. You know, mm-hmm. just that's never that was not my experience. But here's my other thing: is like, do we have to believe any one single person to understand that this is no? Yeah, this is a real phenomenon. No, but he's one of the more interesting cases mm-hmm. because if he's telling the truth, that means that the government has been working on these things for decades and decades, yep. and that they have gotten this, they've gotten themselves in this pickle where they can't publicly disclose what they know and what they have access to because they've had all these people work on these things secretly and they sort of have uh, a, a long history of hiding information. Right. Now think about this, right? Like I, I've been down this path myself mentally. I happen to know that there was, I, I happen to trust that there was a reverse engineering project Separate from Lazar and everything he told us, right? There's a separate thing from a, a Russian UFO crash that dealt with laser weaponry. There was a derivative exploitation project on the laser as a weapon. I know somebody that worked in that program. I, I feel it to be a true story. Imagine the derivative technologies that you could get from something like highly advanced, just working on it. You're not going to be able to make a UFO. Because the material science, we haven't caught up yet how to perfectly layer atoms to make the, like the... Metallurgy? Yeah, yeah. We will one day have that ability. But our material science is what I think holds us up from like making a craft, right? But what can we learn from one of these pieces of technology? And my understanding is a fucking shit ton of derivative technologies have come from looking at these advanced materials. That was always the assertion. That, that was the, the thing that the American cu- Computer Company, do you remember them? I've heard a lot of stories that they, yeah, they've leaked things to private industry. I mean, fuck, I would do that. This is UFO weird. landing is fact, not fantasy. The Russians insist. This is, this 1989. is from 1989, the New York Times. So wow. Read the beginning of this. this I, I like Jamie, just goes, it's that, not, this is weird. <laughs> it's not a joke, nor a hoax, nor a sign of mental instability, nor an attempt to drum up Local tourism, by drawing the curious, the Soviet press agency TASS insisted today in discussions of what it called an extraterrestrial visit to southern Russia. Residents of the city of, how do you say that? Voronezh, Voron, how do you say it? I don't know, you did good. Voronezh. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's V-O-R-O-N-E-Z-H. Good there luck with go. that. Good Insisted luck. today that lanky, three-eyed extraterrestrial creatures had indeed landed in a local park and gone for a stroll. 
and that a seemingly fantastic report about the event carried Monday by the official press agency task was absolutely true. It was not an optical illusion, uh, said Lieutenant Sergei A. Matveyev of the however you say that, uh, district police station, who said in a telephone interview that he saw the landing of the UFO on September 27th. Lieutenant Matviev confessed that he had not actually seen the aliens, but that he saw the spaceship, and that it was certainly a body flying in the sky, moving noiselessly at a very high speed and a very low altitude. He said, anything is possible. To be honest, Lieutenant Matviev said he was a little skeptical himself when he first saw the object. I thought it might be, I must be really tired, but I rubbed my eyes and it didn't go away. And then I figured in this day and age, anything is possible. Isn't that funny? 1989, right. in this day and age. Using, using the sensational tone that has lately infected the once-stayed task, the press agency today provided more details of the UFO landing in Voronezh, a city of some 300 miles southeast of Moscow. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it, it stands to reason that we know that these there are machines, right? We know they can do things that we're un, incapable of creating right now. Like, there's got to be somebody controlling them. Look at this. Look at this statement. What? A three-eyed creature, about nine feet tall and fashionably dressed in silvery oh, overalls and bronze boots with a disc on its chest, disappeared, then landed and came out for a promenade with a companion and a robot. The aliens seemed to communicate with each other, producing the mysterious appearance of a shiny triangle and activated the robot with a touch. Huh. It's so, it's so hard, you know. You you're dealing with like people. I saw this. Like, who, who yeah, I deal with a I deal with a lot of the human aspect of this. Yeah. You know, like yeah. talking to people about. It. You actually said something to me one time. It really struck me about this. I was I called or we were talking on the phone, and I was frustrated. And I said, I can't wrap my head around if this is true. Why there's so much contact? Why there's so many types of crafts? Like, we could go map the moon. You know, with like one satellite in like two weeks if we decided to do it. And you said to me, maybe it's fucking easy to get here. You said that to me. And it made me think if maybe it is just easy to get here, whatever these things are, maybe they're not from far away. Well, or maybe it doesn't matter if they're from far away because their ability to transcend space right. is very different than what we understand. Like. If you talk to someone from the 1400s and said, you know, oh, uh, I live in California, but I want to visit Italy, they'd be like, Pfft. yeah, right. How the fuck are you going to visit Italy? Yeah. You're going to get in a boat for a month? Like, what are you going to do? How much food do you have? You're going to get scurvy? Right. Like, what are you doing? But today, you're like, oh, yeah, of course you are. You're yeah. like, I'm going to go to Hawaii. Of course you are. You don't have to worry about rowing out there for four months. No, you're just going to go. You're going to fly. Me and the family, we're going to go to Maui. It's going to be great. It's like our version of travel is so radically different yeah. than people that lived 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. What is it like 1,000 years from now? Well, it might be radically different to the point where you're, you can just visit extraterrestrial planets. Maybe, maybe it would be as simple as just the, the tourism. I make that joke. They like our top hats, kimonos, and cupcakes. They just fucking like coming here. We're really cool to watch. You know, yeah. maybe 
Maybe. It could be that it's a part of scientific inquiry. It could be they're gardeners. They're coming back to see how their crops are growing. Right. Or maybe it's a combination. If it's easy for one yeah. group, maybe it's easy for a lot. Yeah. I mean, the, the ultra-terrestrial hypothesis, right, just in the, in the journal of, like, cosmology or something. I don't know. I'm going to fuck that up. Hal Putoff. He lives out here in, in Austin. He just published a paper, a peer-reviewed paper, I think, about the idea that maybe they're from here. From here, how so? Like as if- I've, I've heard that name before. How do I yeah, know Yeah, through so many things. Like he was back in the day working for the Stanford Research Institute studying remote viewing. And like mm. this guy's always been kind of um, cutting edge. Well, you, <laughs> you say, well, you know what? That's kind of the funnest shit, right? right. Like um, sure. you get paid to, to study consciousness? Mm -hmm. yeah. Fuck yeah, I'll do it, you know? So, but you know, he's had access to a lot of information because of that. So it's one of the people when he, when he speaks, I listen, right? What does he have to say about right. it? He wrote this paper and it, he, well, he wrote it a long time ago and kind of worked on it, I guess, but it was published yesterday in a scientific journal. And it, it proposes this idea of the ultra terrestrial. So like something that's been here a long time, maybe like aliens that got here and got stuck or a civilization that was so advanced and there was some world catastrophe. So it hit itself and now just kind of lives here with us. And maybe they have investment that we don't fuck up the planet, that we don't blow ourselves up. You know, maybe that's, hmm. maybe they have some investment other than your crop theory. You know, the idea that we're just a commodity. Well, I don't think we're necessarily a commodity, but I think, I don't think we would have a problem with going to a planet and planting life. Like imagine if we we found a planet and it's like Earth of three billion years ago, right? There's like some plant life and some fungus, but there's no animal life, no marine life. And we just planted life there and yeah. monitored it yeah. and watched it grow and evolve. And maybe they have an understanding of there's a process Maybe there's a process that, like I said, process, not process. I, I, I kind of like that. Right. Was, like I'm super England. fancy, man. Um, maybe there's some sort of a process where they understand that all life takes a very specific path, and that that is a path of increasing complexity, right? If you and that is, if if you want to really simplify life on Earth, you would go back to the earliest form of life, which is single-celled organisms, right? Well, why did single-celled organisms become multi-celled organisms? Because they're, they're complexifying. They're becoming more complex. And then they ultimately become uh, hominids that create tools, and they ultimately lead to the industrial age, and they ultimately lead to the technological age that we're, we find ourselves in right now. These, the, the, the thing that they have that's clear is it's constantly a path of ever increasing complexity now um when you look at the work of graham hancock and randall carlson and dr robert shock and uh all, all the people that have studied uh ancient civilizations and the possibility that there's been a reset along the way it seems that perhaps there's been some periods of great growth and then some sort of cataclysmic disasters you know asteroid impacts and the like that has sent civilization back down and then it rebuilds back up again but it always rebuilds back up again mm -hmm. it always seems to be on the path of ever increasing complexity and constant innovation at least amongst 
the most sophisticated of creatures which we like to think of ourselves as. Maybe that is just a, a course in, in the universe for life. Maybe all life follows that course. And we're, and we're biologically developing too. I mean, we're yes. evolving, you know, every, so you wanna hear something fucking crazy? Yes. Okay. This morning I was talking with a guy named Gary Nolan. Do you know, have you ever heard his name? I have. Yeah. So he, you know, Stanford professor, he's, you know, been working for 10 years studying MRIs of the brains of people like pilots who have had close encounters. And what they found over this 10 year study, there was a CIA study, but he just openly talks about it now. It's all out in the open, which is cool. There was damage. Like I've seen the, the images, some of them. There's damage to the brain when people get close proximity to one of these power sources. Like when they get close to damage. Yeah, fucking white matter damage to their brains from having close proximity to a UFO or UAP. Like when you say close, you, are you talking like Commander David Fravor close? Um, or people on the ground? Th there was some ground stuff. Uh, yeah, close. Like there's an encounter where it's. Like, let's just say you could throw a rock at it. How about that? Right. Did just Commander Fravor go through these examinations? You'd have to ask Commander Fravor that. So basically, this study found conclusively that there is damage that occurred, not intentionally, but it's like radiation type damage. Can I propose something? Sure. Maybe these people that have been examined, maybe the damage is what caused them to see these things in the first place. Okay, let me... Let me now, now we're gonna get real fucking weird because check out what they discovered. They discovered in doing these studies on damaged brains that there is a part of the brain that in a lot of these UFO encounter people, their neural density in that area of brain is like one in a hundred. And they've found out through this study that that part of the brain, that it deals with intuition, impulse decision-making. So your intuition, you know, like hunters, right? They need like really good intuition to have, so the, the impulse, just knowing when to do something. They've studied it in uh, like, I guess he said like a Japanese form of chess. I don't know the game. Go? I don't know. Oh, that's Chinese. I don't know. Maybe it was okay. a Chinese. Some, they studied it that there's neurodensity in this area when people make these intuitive moves in a form of chess. Okay. They found out that these people are way more likely to have a UFO encounter. So it's the opposite of what you said. The damage was caused by the close proximity to the propulsion system. But what they found out is that these neural density area, I forget the name of the brain, the part they call it the brain within the brain. You could probably look it up. It's just now even weirder than that. I think Gary should tell you this, but even weirder than that, they found that couples are partnering who have these neural dense areas, like more than would be random. So they're attracted to each other. Yeah, man. Well, that makes sense, though, if they're just intelligent people. Sure, like a smart person. Or, yeah. Okay. I don't know exactly what it, what it does, but th that correlation is so interesting. So Gary was saying this morning, cool breakfast conversation, that he thinks having that neurodense area about intuition allows them to see something that's there that other people's minds would just make them ignore. Hmm. That's his theory. Hmm. Well, what's interesting, <clears throat> I'm reading an interview with him about this, mm -hmm. and as he was saying everything, I'm kind of reading along. Uh, they get to this part where this, the brain scans look very similar to people that had the Havana syndrome, and so oh, they're yeah. comparing Whoa. people to that, and then he says, 
he got locked out of the files because it's now a serious incident and something else. Yeah, he said there was a lot of crossover where people that were, because it's an intelligence community thing and military thing, and he, he said he saw a lot let's, of patients with Let's him. read this because this is pretty fascinating. He said, there's the question asked him, uh, did the people who claimed they'd had an encounter, especially the pilots, describe any perceivable decrease in neurological cap capacity? Said, of the 100 or so patients that we looked into, about a quarter of them died from their injuries. The majority of these patients had symptomology that's basically identical to what's now called Havana syndrome. We think amongst the bucket list of cases, we had the first Havana syndrome patients. Once this turned into a national security problem with Havana syndrome, I was locked out of the access to the files because it's now a serious potential international incident if they ever figure out who's been doing it. That still left individuals who had seen UAPs. They didn't have Havana syndrome. They had a smorgasbord of other symptoms. And it said, uh, the next question is, how does the impact of electromagnetic frequencies factor into your hypothesis of what exactly transpired here. One of the patients, it happened on Skinwalker Ranch, given how deep into their brain damage, uh, excuse me, given how deep into their brain the damage went, we can actually estimate the amount of energy required in the electromagnetic wave someone aimed at them. We don't think that has anything to do with UAPs. We think that that's some uh, sort of state actor and again related to Havana syndrome mm -hmm. somehow so yeah. Havana syndrome was dismissed initially yeah. right and then they're recognizing that no something is really going on and yeah. it might be some sort of microwave or targeted attack on people that they're experimenting on some new ability to disable people yeah it's all Department of Defense people yeah I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious something but is. But they don't. Know, well, at least if they do know, it's not public. Yeah. Right. I, I have no. I have no information. I have no idea. It's just. It's one of those crazy things. So what they do, like, what we do know about UFOs, the one fucking thing we know for sure about UFOs is that they're high energy in a small amount of space. This is classically. It's been documented. The radiation effects of these when they're around so the the injuries people get you know you've heard like the sunburns on one side of their face and shit the radiation the hair falling so up. that's like from close encounters of the third kind but that's, that's like that's from life but that is they've actually really had that sunburn on that's one side how they thing. made that's how they made the movie so interesting mm. was that they took all the cases that the trace cases the physical cases that shit happens to people and sometimes when they have close proximity to a ufo they get fucked up right I don't, it's unintentional is what people think. It's like the propulsion system itself or something. Well, Travis Walker. Walton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis Walton, rather. That was his story, that they brought him aboard the, the UFO to repair him. Yeah. I wonder if that's the way he likes to look at it or if that's what happened. I don't know. Wonder, did they ever do a study on his brain? I don't know. They should, right? I mean, if, if, if that guy's telling the truth, if any, or maybe it would be repaired. Because yep. they took him aboard the craft and supposedly did some medical procedure to him. I mean, look, we should we should study this stuff. That's, I think that's the big takeaway of this moment in our history, because we're repeating history. The UFOs have had this huge wave before, and Congress was interested 50 years ago. Multinations were studying it openly. Now we're back at this point where I feel like there's an opportunity just to be open, we should study this scientifically, man. 
the the problem is I feel like even though there's people that have sightings and even though there's some kind of metallurgy evidence, mm-hmm. there's so little stuff. It's not like yeah. if I want to study sea turtles, I can go find the sea turtles and go study them. This is too it's too it's too hard to grasp. There's not there's nothing there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't replicate it upon right. demand, right. which is what science requires, right? Yeah. There are some cool thoughts on how to do that. Uh there have been attempts to lure in UFOs with nuclear weapons. Really? Yes. There have been attempts to like fake that we're going to use bait them, bait them. With really? The, yes. How do you know this? Uh, well, uh, we'll talk about how I know that later. But you know, uh, it is you true. You can't say how you know it. No, I, it's not. You know, some of the people I talk with have told me about these. Right. So people I trust that are in a position to know. And have they told you you can't talk about this? Yeah, or like you can't uh, the, the basic your sources. Yeah, there we go. The the basics is fourteen out of fourteen times or something. I might be getting that number wrong. That there, there was a way to bait every single time these UFOs would come in when they were transporting nuclear weapons or something like that. Now, if that if that information is true, then you would have a method. You would have a way to study this, right? right? See, I think we're we're reinventing the wheel so much. Like Avi Loeb at Harvard, and we're, you know mm-hmm. we're, NASA just. I think this is true. NASA just announced they're going to repurpose their satellites to look for you know UFOs. I think really? it's a, I think that's a real article, Jamie. If if you can find that, I like, repurpose their satellites. That's my word, repurpose. But yeah, NASA made an announcement that they're going to kind of repurpose their satellites. Look at that. To look for you. Is that NASA correct? wants to turn satellites into alien hunters? There we that's go. That's just from a couple weeks ago. Cool. Wow. It's like my memory's been so bad. No, it's you're nice dead to, on, brother. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. NASA is looking to repurpose satellites. You said it perfectly. Okay. This is fucking crazy. Asked why the space agency is embarking on such a seemingly fringe subject, it said one of its remits is to look for life outside of Earth. Fascinating. Okay, so last month, the U.S. Space Agency announced it was launching an eight-month inquiry into investigate hundreds of unexplained UFO sightings. The inquiry is being held by Dr. Thomas. What's with all these names? Zerbuchin? Zerbuchin? How do you say that? What do you think? Uh, Yeah, Zerbuchin. Dr. Thomas Zerbuchin of NASA's Science Mission uh, Directorate, who has been investigating whether satellites in space could be repurposed to give another view on strange aerial phenomena reported from Earth. Speaking to journalists in London this week, Colonel Pam um, Melroy, the deputy administrator of NASA, said... The team is going to be looking at questions like, do we have sensors that can see things, you know, take another look at the evidence? One of the big questions that Thomas asked is, we have a ton of satellites looking down at Earth. Are any of them useful? I mean, before you build a rover that's going to Mars, you ask yourself, what's the sensor I have to build to detect the most interesting things? So they're really going to focus on that. Wow. Scroll up there. How would uh, you get the evidence you need to be able to determine if it's an optical phenomena or some other kind of phenomena? Even the greatest scientists were ridiculed. Bill Nelson, a NASA administrator, told journalists that he had read all the classified documents relating to UFOs and was convinced that nobody knew what they were. 
Questioned as to why NASA was embarking on such a seemingly fringe subject, Nelson said that one of the space agency's remits was to hunt for life outside of Earth and that in the past, even the greatest scientists have been disbelieved and ridiculed. Remember that one of our missions is to reach out to see if there is life, he said. That's why we're digging on Mars right now. Is the, po is the possibility of life in something as big as the universe? Of course, there's a chance in somewhere as big as that, conditions similar to Earth existed, and some other kind of life form developed. Hmm. It kind of drives me crazy, though, that they're like, oh, we're going to repurpose our satellites and look for UFOs. We, it's my understanding that we have well, we can well track UFOs. That think about NORAD and you can, you know, the, the joke is you, you can't throw a, a, you know, a softball in our atmosphere without it being tracked and targeted. Mm -hmm. It's my understanding, like what else captured the Tic Tacs above 80,000 feet? Did we have any other optic systems or targeting systems that captured those Tic Tacs? Because the Spy-1 saw it at 80,000. My understanding- What is the Spy-1? The Spy-1 radar is a radar that was in that uh, strike group where Commander Fravor was you know, doing workups. It's just a very cool radar that in 2004 was you know, relatively new, for, I think, at that year. And it was just, uh, this, it's a phase array, so it's just a fucking cool piece of technology that they were using. But it, I think it goes up to only 80,000. So when they say they were dropping in from 80,000 down to sea level like that, it was, they were actually coming from higher. Right. They just detected it when it hit 80. And they say with the spy one. But there are other systems, I am told, that were tracking these as well above that scan volume of the spy one. And, and that makes sense. Think about it. We have missile defense systems. Right. And now that we're doing space wars, right? Like we have this the space... Space Agency, Force. Space Force. Space Force. It's actually fucking really cool. They've got a UFO project too. Do they? Yeah. It's not public, but they do. Mm. Like everybody's getting in the UFO game, man. They all right. want to study it. Space but Force should. When they talk about repurposing satellites, though, what we have is the ability to detect these objects. I think what they're saying is let's get very high resolution photographs and video of these objects. I am convinced that we already do. Convinced? Yes, I am convinced that the, the National Reconnaissance Office um, and the Geospatial Intelligence Agency will analyze the data from the devices that the National Reconnaissance Office has and that we have great data on UFOs and that that is being um, suppressed even within, even to NASA. But imagine if they did have that data what would be the benefit of leaking it to the public? And this is one of the things that's always driven me crazy about all this Pentagon stuff. And the Pentagon comes out and says, these are not of this world, these crafts. Mm -hmm. Like, what is their motivation for doing that? Yeah, I saw you, you're real, real skeptical about maybe this is like a government. I think some of it is. Right. I think some of it is they have drones that are spectacular, that have unbelievable ability to travel at preposterous speeds. Hypersonic speeds beyond hypersonic without yeah. signature though. That's the question like how yeah. could they do that? And if that's the case is this because of back-engineered UFO technology, right? So I wish to be wrong on this, but I Don't see the evidence for what you just said that we have that technology yet And I'm not told that and that's never been when I've asked at the highest levels that I can ask at um, 
we wish we had that technology. And here's the other thing. Just one last thing about this is before the Pentagon existed, these things were occupying our reality. Mm -hmm. They've been here. So even if we did have a breakthrough and we got something, we still got UFOs. What are they? Right. Well, and then here's the other question. Are we only being visited by one civilization? Right. Or are we being visited like, you know, I mean, if you go to the Galapagos, there'll be people there from Turkey. There'll be people there from China. There'll be people there from the United States. Like people want to go and yeah. see it. Like perhaps when you're talking about UFOs and the wide variety, like you're talking about this circle that exists or the, the cube, rather, that, that exists in the translucent yeah, that, circle. That's the popular one right now. Is that really popular right now? Yeah, yeah right now um, and for years and in war zones, it's like I call them the, the jellyfish, the cube in a sphere that a lot of pilots talk about. And even as I said, pyramids, I've heard of pyramids in spheres, man. Um, right, and then there's a video of those seemingly pyramid-like and, and big ones, too. Yeah, big ones? Like how yeah. big? What I, I have seen imagery of really fucking, supposedly really fucking big ones, and they look pretty fucking big. So now, when you said you've seen, have they sent it to you, or they just allow you to look at it? People that I know have allowed me to see these images, and I can't have them, and they look impressive. I'm not a photo expert. What's the most impressive shit that you could show us right now? Uh, just like on that, the That exists screen? out there. Because like that black and white footage of the transmedium device is like, God, it's so hard. I know, so, it's annoying. It's a okay, fucking so blob. Here's the, here's the deal. I sent you something a couple months ago. It's weird. Shh, don't tell the government. It was a photo of my toe. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got a big bump on it. I don't know what to do no, about no, it. No. Yeah. Oh, what are you no, talking about? No, the other thing. Oh, the, the other thing. Stuff. I just, I don't, you know, it's like, I, I need to figure out if, if somebody if okay obviously when I release footage right somebody gives it to me I, I don't film that shit right in skiffs or whatever you know and like secure I don't do that so someone gives it to me it's not what who people think you know it's not like a person from within the government it's like a fucking shit ton of people and then I get different angles of the same shit and I'm like ah now I now I trust it I always have to be thoughtful in that there might be something in this footage other than the UFO, that's sensitive because it's military footage. Right. So I think it's frivolous. People say, oh, just fucking put it out, put it out. Like, people can get burned, dude. So what? let's not show footage right now. <laughs> right. So, but, but uh, what about footage that is available that is not attributed to one person that can get in trouble for it? Like, what's the best? Like, there was that one photograph that was taken from uh, a fighter pilot's cell phone. Oh, yeah, you mean the what George Knapp releases the still images or yes. the video they showed in that like swamp gassy UFO uh, congressional hearing? Well, I haven't seen that. Yeah. I've, I've seen the still. Is that the still? Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of oh yeah. So this is so George Knapp. This is it. So the one that I would go go full screen on that, Jamie, if you could. Someone in, did some weird enhancement on that. Did they? Yeah. So, yeah. So some people say though that's a balloon. Right, right, a mylar balloon. Yeah, so some people say like um, some of the stuff that's out, fighter pilots, you know, will will take a photo of. There's two more George released. One was like just a like a sphere, and then the other was that weird blimpy fucking thing right there. It looks like it has a payload. That's the one, the far right. 
Yeah, so that's this. Jamie's over the sphere right now, right? Okay. Now, is that one that's a sphere with a square inside of it? I, I don't know specifically. This is 2015. Those are a cloud. But, but that's the thing, though. So they're trying, they're going, what, like 500 miles an hour, 300, I don't know how fast they're going, trying to photograph something out a window. But here's the deal. It's not just somebody saying it anymore. The radar systems, the new ASA, like, radar systems are picking these up. So you know how you just used to have somebody says, I saw something. Right. Now you have people that say, I saw something. There's multiple witnesses. They're on a collective radar system and on their personal radar system. And these things are under intelligent control. And they're oftentimes maneuvering in ways that are um, incredible, but also their duration to sit out there, you know, 100 miles offshore. Like, whose are these magical devices that, like, do this? So it doesn't, like, it's like one photo. I'm so over photos. I'm so over videos because it's like, it's never good. Hmm. They're getting better, maybe. But is it because the distance they are, how far away they are, yeah. and the kind of equipment they're using to monitor these things on in jets that they don't, all they have is cell phones and all well, they have yeah, is. Yeah, these, well, that's what they can do. That's their personal device. So they can photograph outside the cockpit, but they're, how fast are they flying, man? Right. And by the way, Brian Graves, this other pilot, he says sometimes we'd have them right there on radar but we couldn't see them with our eyes. Other times they wouldn't be on radar, and bam, these two went right, and this fucking cube in the sphere went right between two jets. That's when they got, oh, this is serious, like we're gonna have a collision. So sometimes you get them on radar, and you and you don't see them, and other times you see them, but they're not on radar. Mm. It's crazy, man, they, they call that like low observability, the ability to, that's one of the five things that you look at for UFOs, low observability, right? This idea that it can cloak a signature. So you can see something in thermal, but not in the, like in the night vision. Mm. You know, they call it, so there's five things that should be said. <laughs> These are the things people look for in UFOs. Um, see if I get it right. So one is anti-gravity, right? This idea of no control or flight, normal flight systems. Right. So like normally a cube, is not an aerodynamic thing, but it has intelligent control, okay? Uh, the second thing is instantaneous velocity. You've heard of people going, you know, these things going 90 degrees at like 10,000 yeah. miles an hour. And we do have tracks of that. We have, you know, uh, recorded tracks of that kind of movement. So we know these things exist. The third one is hypersonic um, capability without signature, so like we talked about. Um, the fourth one is uh, the ability to I guess you'd say um, cloak or the ability to have, uh, um, I don't know the exact words they used, but to, to, to not be seen, right? Right. And then the, the last one is transmedium capability, which is to penetrate space, air, and sea without any inertial effect. And, and you get these with UFO reports over and over and over. Silent, no displacement of the air or the water. So, so those are the five things that you look at to say, is this a good case? And the, and the real ones, those are always repeated. Those are the things, man. So those things are... The five observables. And so the, the idea is that they're doing something to avoid detection purposely. Yeah, that's an aspect of them. Sometimes. Right, because sometimes it almost, it's like they want to be seen. Like some of the people, calls I get, they'll be like... Okay, there's one guy, I think I, it's a find it. There's, there's a dude, and he's at a secure facility, right? 
and he sees over the power structure of this facility, a government facility. Well, first he's walking outside and he sees this star that's like an off-duty star. It's acting kind of weird, right? So he's walking to his car and next thing he knows, it, it almost appears like it flashes and then bam, about 100 feet from him over this power source is what he described as two plates mashed together and this gold glow. This, like, uh, he'd never seen this color gold before. Like, it was just beautiful, right? Totally fucking silent. Big. Like, uh, the tallness of it was like two, what are they, F-150s? Is that a car? Like a big car? Two of those stacked up nose mm -hmm. to nose is the height. About, you know, three, four times the width. And this is a dude who thinks, if I'm not wrapped so tight, you know, I'm going to lose my position. Right. But he knows there's cameras. So he like watches this thing for like 10 minutes. And the second he goes to grab his phone and pull it up, gone. Just straight up gone. So he's like, am I fucking crazy? You know, he goes, they got cameras here. So dude walks into the, um, I don't know, the, the entrance of the building where they got the um, guard shack, but it's inside. Hey, man, I, I think I saw like an animal out there against the fence. I saw some movement, you know. Can you pull that up, you know? Sure enough, he pulls up the footage. It doesn't look exactly like his eyes were seeing, but you, you can tell it's a fucking big-ass machine hovering over. What's the variation between what he saw with his own eyes and what he's seeing in video? It's so hard for people to describe UFO things because they've never seen anything like it. So I, I dug into that. Was it, it was color footage. So it wasn't gold. It wasn't that color gold. And the shape wasn't as defined as what he saw. So he saw like exactly like two plates, no seam, just perfect, silent, making this tiny little wobble. When you say two plates, you're essentially talking about that, that shape. Yes. Yeah. Right. Except uh, that has more of a top to it. The one that Lazar... You know, this mm -hmm. was totally symmetrical. Okay. So the camera picked up, like, the basic shape of it, but there was a distortion to it a little bit visually. But he says, by the eye, it was this beautiful gold that he, that he, there's no comparison to any color that he says he's seen. And I've heard this so many times. And the light didn't, like, shine off the ground or the apparatus below it, the energy apparatus like it normally would like it almost like the light was a little contained in it in itself right like so it was diffused lighting so it wasn't, it wasn't lighting up the ground it wasn't just diffused it, people describe this to me all the time and it they don't have words for it so how can i have words for it but it's like yeah a contained light and the other thing he said was that it was there was something to it that made him feel like this light was somehow intelligent and he goes i know that sounds fucking weird but it was like the light itself had some intelligence to it. It's just so bizarre. So the guy thinks he's, you know, whatever. He's at that thing. Sure enough, there's a huge fucking thing hovering over. Doesn't look exactly like it, but it was there. The response of the guard was to run outside. He's still there, and he goes, I, I don't think so. Runs outside. It's not there. Comes back, says, we're deleting this. We never saw it. So this is the guard's call? I guess, yeah, because he, he, he just fucked with him. 
the oh. guard. And I, now here, I think I can get away with saying this, man. Turns out it would be illegal to delete it, right? So you, the, the guards got to wait something like 30 days or 60 days for it to auto just delete itself. Mm-hmm. So that guard had to sit in there for at least a month thinking about the fact that there's footage here. I, I told my buddy, I was like, don't think for one second that guard didn't film that screen. How can you not? Right. How can you not? If you had to sit there for 30 days knowing that footage was there. But it drives me crazy. I, I wish I had that footage. And so that footage may or may not have been erased. As an optimist, I could not imagine someone sitting there for 30 days and, and, and not filming the screen. But even if you film the screen, you're just getting a second I know. generation. That's the problem with all this, right? Somebody's yeah. got good footage of it, maybe. Well, wasn't that one of the things that Christopher Mellon said is that there's there is evidence that has been released that he's seen. Oh yeah, that I mean, was much more clear, much better resolution. Totally. That's it's, what's so frustrating. It's like, yeah, how do we know that's true? You want to know something that's even more frustrating is you know the the gimbal footage that's become real popular. Looks like the Lazar thing mm-hmm. with two plates. There's four more minutes of that footage. There's a whole fleet of them. They're, they look a little different than that object, but if the pilots, like um, Ryan Graves is good friends with the guy that actually captured, filmed that, uh-huh. and like th- that object actually moved back on itself, and there was a fleet of them, there was other objects around it. There's four more minutes of that footage. It's all classified. Fucking release it. Why, did, why wouldn't you show that? When Congress is asking for the best of the best, they just swamp gas you with one piece of footage I released? What the fuck? They should show that footage. Is there any explanation as to why they don't release the other four minutes when they've released the first part of the gimbal? Let's look at the gimbal footage because this is pretty wild. I have been given no explanation for I don't know. We'd have Do to we ask. know how fast they're estimating the gimbal footage is? I don't think it was going super fast. I think that you see a rotation. It did rotate, by the way. Right. And, you, and you're seeing, so the pilots are filming this at close range, or relatively close range, and you see this rotation. What you don't see is what happens next in the video, which is where it does this rotation and then instantly goes back the other way. Okay, so we're looking at this thing now. Mm-hmm. now what is the? What are those lines with the, the, the target reticle? What's those lines indicate? Is that the horizon? Um, that looks like the horizon to me. Yeah, the lines right next to it was just the targeting system, right? This is at FLIR. But um, like, you see the lines that go uh, left and right. They look like an like two L's. Yeah, that, yeah those that's lines. probably horizon, right? Okay, so this thing is shooting along. It's chilling. If you turn your head, it looks flat. And now it's turning. It turns completely. Yep. It goes completely sideways. Yeah. UFO that okay captured by Navy jets, mm-hmm. declassified. And what this is? Uh, what kind of symbol? What kind of system? Look at that. That was East Coast 2015. It was called an Atflir targeting pod, which is um, something tactical. I don't know. Uh, forward-looking infrared. So, so this is the full, this is the go fast, this is a different one, right? That's a different one. And how and fast is this thing supposedly going? I don't know. See, people say it's not going fast. There's actually, you know, been a bunch of studies that it's not going fast. And what, not going fast meaning like it's going 100 miles an hour? Like don't what's know. it going? I have no idea, dude. I, you know, 
again, wouldn't the, that be important to know, like how fast it's going? Yeah, I mean, I, I, for the people studying this that are scientists, I'd say yes. For me, it's not really. And the gimbal footage similarly is not going that far, not not going that fast either. Yes, I don't think this is going super fast. So um, it's going fast, like the like the type of speeds that our jets can go, or like, do you know that? Yeah, I mean, I, I I believe that it is going at a normal pace, but there that movement is what's so unique, man. And the yeah. the pilots are freaking out. They're like, you know, there's a whole fleet of them, and the duration of these, like, they would sit out there, and they do sit out there for these huge durations of time, like just the energy consumption it takes to do that. Right, because like a jet. A fighter jet runs out of gas in a pr fairly short amount of time. Yeah, man. Like, what do they have? Like thirty minutes of fuel or something I don't, crazy? I don't like know. That? And getting lift, getting lift, you yeah. burn a bunch of fuel too. And um, so the duration of these has been a big topic of conversation. Like, how do they power? And also, they're not aerodynamic. Right. Well, they are if they're flat. Right. But when they go sideways, which yeah, is the way they're the supposed wind. to go when they're traveling very fast, right? Well, that's, that's the crazy part, if that's correct, if Bob Lazar was correct about that. Which is crazy, because he talked about that in 1989, yeah. and then you see in this gimbal footage it doing exactly what he said it's doing, Yeah, which is pretty fucking wild. Have you seen that footage of that dude? He had, like, a Razor phone, like, back in, like, 2000-something, and he's, like, a carpenter, and he's, like, I don't know where he was. I'm going to say it wrong, Brazil or something, and he just grabs his shitty-ass Razor phone, and there's this fucking, it looks like a disc that just goes... Turns like its belly and shit available the online. Yeah, I think so. Um, I got it on Would my you, phone. Okay, we'll send it to Jamie. Get it off your phone and yeah. send it to Jamie. What's interesting about that? I don't know if it's real. I just want to. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No. Of course. We don't know any of this shit's real. No. I, I, we'll be in, is this it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. It's on your um your Twitter. Oh. There you go. Nice. Okay. Or Instagram. Yeah, yeah. So. This is this thing, boy. Again, looks like dog shit. Yeah, it's because it's a it's a it's a <laughs> razor phone, you right. know, in two thousand seven in Costa Rica. And so this dude's a carpenter, right? So he's filming this thing, and it turns sideways. Yeah. It does the same thing. Yeah. It turns sideways and takes off. Yeah. So when you say that there's apparently uh four more minutes of footage but th that's classified how do you know that that's the case well i mean people that, that are involved with filming it have said it publicly so like ryan graves has has asked that question online mm -hmm. why wasn't congress shown the four extra minutes of that footage like right. he thought it was kind of like um disappointing too like these guys start talking about how much they like star trek well, you know that's cool like star trek my buddy you know right. i get that but like Show them the goods. Mm -hmm. They want to know what's up. They've seen some of the classified stuff, and right. it was just like, are, is are we gonna, are we gonna lose this opportunity? Are we gonna let this continue, where we just stigmatize the shit out of it, and we try to say nothing's going on here? Move on. Is there um, a plausible explanation for why they classified the remaining four minutes of footage? I can't imagine a good reason. I think a lot of people, like um, Avril Haines, the you know, um, what, what is she, the National Defense Director, whatever. I don't know. I'm not sure. Sa she said, um, she said, overclassification is a problem, 
and it erodes public trust. So things just are automatic, automatically classified, not because they show a UFO or because just because they were filmed on mission. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm with you, man. Like, let's ask for it. Four minutes of the gimbal footage is missing. And apparently that four minutes shows multiple yeah. crafts. Yes. How many? I don't know. Maybe four. It's in a V formation. So mm. I, I've only talked to people that have seen it. I haven't been able to see it, but these are the pilots. Some of them um, were directly involved. And when you say seen it, you mean seen the footage. You don't mean seen F- the Fravor's actual seen vehicles. the footage. Right. And what did Fravor said? He said it was fucking cool. Whatever it is, is, is weird. Mm. I suspect we get footage of this stuff on a regular basis. And I suspect because of bureaucracy and because people don't want to deal with this shit, and it's not an immediate threat, they just push it under. They just bury it. Yeah, but all of this goes away if we've been reverse engineering these things. It's the silver bullet. We can have this conversation, are UFOs real? They're not real, they're fucking real. The, the bigger question is, have we actually been working on something? If that gets revealed, if this UFO whistleblower thing works and the NDAs are just out the window, I have people that I can put forward nominate them to go talk. I actually have nominated some people. Unknown to the public. So this is all, it's so fascinating that you're this lightning rod for this shit just by virtue of the fact that you're one of the most prominent UFO documentary guys, that they're coming to you and wanting to discuss these things with you. I think, I I often have these I'm unqualified feeling moments of like when people call me to tell me this stuff, I'm like, why are you telling me? Why are you showing me this? It makes me uncomfortable. I said, why do you trust me? Right. And the answer is always like, well, other people trust you. And I'm like, Hmm. okay, that's cool. So I guess it starts with like, you know. What's interesting too is like if you are a guy and you want to get out the information and you want to uh, get it to someone who is going to leak it where people are going to follow them, you are that guy. Right, because yes. you're, you're accessible I've, and you clearly have already done it before, and you made the great documentary. Thanks, brother. And so they think that that's the best way to handle it. I guess is to go through you. Yeah, but most people don't give me shit to make it public. What they, just, they? They just want to tell somebody, and they want to show somebody. So they want to tell you and show you just because you're so deep into it. Maybe they feel like they need to confide in someone. Yeah, because it's so crazy. Hundred percent. And, and they want to know. Maybe you can tell them, hey, there's more than one of these. This exactly. Is not, yeah. Exactly. I, I mean, I've out of out of respect and responsibility have seen a lot more than I've ever put out. My point is never to put shit out. We were poking the bear at that time. Me and George was just trying to get the conversation lit up, man. Mm-hmm. Because everybody always says, we wish, you know, it's always like one source, especially civilian footage. It's one video, right? right. But with these military ones, I gave people thermal, radar, deck footage, and a, a cla- within a classified briefing, a slide that shows and reveals that this that they believe this thing to be transmedium. It was like the perfect military case because it showed all these pieces of evidence. So you, you can't say, oh, it's just a balloon because I gave you deck footage that shows it lit up like a Christmas tree. So right. it had lights. You can't say it was just an optical illusion of thermal because you have the radar. Right. So all these things together create a compelling case that we should know what's fucking flying in our restricted airspace and is doing things that we can't do. We should know that. And how was this presented to Congress? And what was like, ultimately, 
what was their take on this when it was presented? In the public hearing or the private stuff? Either one. My understanding is the people that kind of have been read in on some of this in the classified briefings, some of them, it completely fucking changed their, their lives. That the whole way they think about this stuff, for two reasons, I think. One is, is that what's extraordinary that this technology even exists and we've kind of ignored it up till now. You know, whose is it? And then the second thing is that when someone's fucking lied to and they feel like they should have oversight, like the Senate in Intelligence Committee or whatever, mm -hmm. they feel like they should have oversight and they find out there are programs they don't have oversight about, then you get like the Church Commission of 1975. Do you remember that? No. Dude, let's pull that up on Wikipedia. Pull up the Church Commission. It was amazing. They busted all the intelligence agencies for a whole bunch of shit, including MKUltra, testing drugs on civilians. Mm. This is a real thing. Senate Intelligence Committee, um, I think it's Senate Intelligence Committee, I think it's called the Church Commission, and they fucking railed the intelligence agencies for doing terrible, hidden, illegal shit. That's what we're seeing today about UFOs. They are saying, if you have been hiding this shit, and it has been not in our oversight. Get you put your hands up. You know what I mean? They're coming after him, man. If you read the language. Let me say this. Yeah. Uh, it's called the church committee. That there we close. Go. Um trying to I just pulled the Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, the Wikipedia. It's hard to get the info out of here, but um it, Sometimes if you go to um mobile view it gets it all bigger and results. Aftermath. Well, just at the very beginning, like what is the church committee? Church committee, formerly United States Senate Select Committee to study governmental operations with respect to intelligence activities, was a U.S. Senate Select Committee in 1975 that investigated abuses by the Central Intelligence Agency, the National Security Agency, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the Internal Revenue Service, chaired by Idaho Senator Frank Church. The committee was a part of a series of investigations into intelligence abuses in 1975, dubbed the Year of Intelligence, including its House counterpart, the Pike Committee, and the Presidential Rockefeller Commission. The committee's efforts to, led to the establishment of permanent U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. The most shocking revelations of the committee included Operation MK Ultra involving the drugging and torture of unwitting U.S. citizens as a part of human experimentation on mind control. COINTEL Pro involving the surveillance and infiltration of American political and civil rights organizations. Family Jewels, a CIA program to covertly assassinate foreign leaders. Operation Mockingbird as a systematic propaganda campaign with domestic and foreign journalists operating as CIA assets and dozens of US news organizations providing cover for CIA activity. It also unearthed Project Shamrock in which major telecommunications companies shared their traffic with the NSA while confirming the existence of this signals intelligence agency to the public for the first time. So the, the church committee is saying, what, what the fuck is all this secret shit going on? We right. need oversight. I think we're seeing that 
now i hope we're seeing that now with with ufos so that there may be some uh, secret shit with no oversight that is about either back engineering back engineering ufos or studying ufos i am extremely confident in in making that statement that we have exploitation programs which is just you got physical material and you've been working on it and I'm extremely confident in saying that there has been ongoing durational studies in every branch of our military about UFOs that don't have oversight and and you know look maybe I'm wrong but I think we're about to find out as long as we keep pressing about this I think we're gonna find out because they're, they're hot and bothered about it right now the Senate Intelligence Committee Congress Senate they're they're really pushing to make it available that people can come forward and break mm. their NDAs. But what about the, the repercussions that people might experience in their personal life if they did do something like that? Even if they break their NDAs, there's still gonna be people that are furious at them, right? In like in their job? Yeah, whatever they do. I mean Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So they have a whole thing about reprisals. It doesn't mean everybody's going to come forward. They'll be scared shitless. Let, let's say you work at Lockheed on this shit. You're, right. you're, your boss, you're never getting a security clearance again. Right. That, you're, that, you're basically kamikaze. That happened to Lou Elizondo, right? He comes out about UFOs and, and the whole thing, and um, I find him to be quite genuine about what he's doing, okay? I gotten to know him. Here's the deal, man. Verifiably, they tried to control his security clearance, his access. Verifiably. There were reprisals. So For his discussions. Yeah, yeah. 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 They said he never worked in the UFO programs. Well, that was bullshit. You know, and, and Harry Reid actually made sure everybody found out, you know, that, that that he did work in those programs. Look, we've learned about OSAP, the original UFO program, the mother host program, right? George Knapp has really let us know a lot about that. Um, and we know about ATIP. There are other programs that are not public yet, and I'm hoping they will be. And I really feel like we got a chance, man, to learn about these. Did you ever see the interview where uh, Bill Clinton, I forget what show he's on. He's on one of the talk shows. And uh, he talks about how when he was in office, he sent someone to go try to dig up information on UFOs. Webster Hubble. He sent a guy named Webster Hubble. Yeah. From the Hubble Space Telescope? No, I don't know. I don't know. I think his name was Webster. Web Bill Clinton says sent agents to Area 51 to look for aliens. Well, that's a weird He's talking quote. to James Corden. That's hilarious, talking to that guy. That's a weird yeah, quote. I think Reggie asked him. Reggie Watts. Oh, oh that, that's that was, right. That was recent. That was <laughs> yeah. recent. Reggie asked him. Yeah. But, I mean, he's talked about it before. Time. You know, he, at one point, the story goes that he wanted to get the information out. Yeah, but it seems like the president doesn't have nearly as much access to information as we'd like to think they do. Right. Probably because someone like Trump can become president. Right? You can get a, a loose cannon in there. Why would you give him all the data? He's only going to be there for four years or eight years, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I heard he was briefed. but Trump was briefed? I heard he was, but he was given like the super simple version. Really? Yeah, because I, I don't Because they don't trust him. Totally. Yeah. And also, you know, he talked about it. He said, I... I wish I could talk. I can't talk. I can't tell you. I'd like to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. You have to imagine that someone like Bush Sr., who was head of CIA, and then his son had some high-level understanding of this as a national security issue, right? Yeah. The, the thing is, like, even if he does have that understanding, what do you do with it? Right. Like, what do you do if they come to you and they say, this is what we know? I mean, do you feel like you have this obligation to release it to the public? 
because it's not going to change much. They're not going to have any control over it. At the the worst case scenario is people go crazy. The best case scenario is it sort of prods these agencies to release more, and we get more transparency and we get more of an understanding of what's real and not real and then perhaps more people will come forward with real idea real stories what well, is there anything in your mind that would i always thought there's nothing that could be said that would make it worth not telling the basics that was always bob's thing you don't got to go into the proposal just tell them the basics right is there anything in your mind of why you wouldn't tell the public the basics well, I mean, they've already kind of told basics now, but previous to this, I would say the one thing that I would say I would worry about is people losing their shit and society falling apart and, and maybe some people capitalizing on the fact that people have become very vulnerable. Do you think people would lose their shit if we were told UFOs are real, that we've been, we have a couple of them in our, in our possession, at least a couple? Let's say we got it, two dozen. They're real and we two got dozen. let's just let's just make up a number. Okay. They're real, we got two dozen. Okay. Okay. Is that like what are people gonna do? Like stop going to work? They gotta demand that information immediately. Right. And so it's gonna be very intrusive. It's gonna get in the way of understanding and 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 examining these things because you're gonna have to somehow or another prepare some sort of some sort of talk where you have a slideshow and you show what we have and what we don't have and what we know and what we don't know. Right. And then also, it, if we're not the top dog, if we have to admit that there is something that's so superior to us that it can avoid detection, that it's here constantly, they've probably been here forever, and that these things, whatever they are, have the ability to shut down our nuclear weapons, they have the ability to control, you know, essentially whatever they want to. They can shut down the power grid. They can do whatever they want. I always wondered what that... What that thing was doing that Fravor saw the tic tac like it, it wasn't like hey buddy and just came up to him Hey, how you doing? It was doing a job It was just out there with other ones doing something and there was something remember He said the cross shaped thing under the water underneath mm -hmm. the boil Like the first words he ever said to me about it was like docking not not physically, but something was occurring right. What do I it's killing me what? What was it doing? What was the job it was doing? It, it didn't, wasn't about us. He happened on it because he was targeted in on it. It got curious about him. Boom, you know, noticed him, he said, and then mirrored him, and then bam, shot off to his cap point, which you've talked about before, crazy. Right. Yeah. What was it doing out there? Right. What are the UFOs here doing? Well, are they speculating as to what they think that thing might have been doing? I've never heard anything that makes any sense, man. What's weird is that it's so close to a military base. That's one of the things that made me skeptical about whether or not it was ours. I wish it was ours, dude. That's the thing. Like, even the 2019 events, you know, head of the Navy's like, we're looking into this. They, I know for sure the UAP task force, which was another interim program that was really good, actually. For sure, these are not ours. The 2019 swarms, they're not our assets. For sure. For sure. Like, to current day, today, still that is the understanding that they are not ours. So, like, who's the fuck are they? Right. Yeah. 
So, and if they're China's, we're doomed. Okay, so here's a lie that was propagated through the media, and I watched it like a slow-moving fucking train because I had the information absolutely went against this. Oh yeah, yeah. People said a ship called the Bass Strait was what was launching these. Uh, it's like a international company or whatever, like you know these Chinese, uh, you know whatever drones. You know that was kind of the the lie that started spreading through the media. Well, I'll tell you, man, there was an investigation of the Bass Strait in port. It was in Long Beach far before this activity subsided. So this lie started being pushed through mainstream media that this was the source of these drones in 2019. It's like they're trying to just make it all go away. They're, the UAPTF, our government, did an investigation on that ship while it was in port the day after. But I have talked to sailors who their job at the time of, of these swarms, uh, I'll just say from the Paul Hamilton, there's another ship that was involved, they were watching the Bass Strait to make sure they were not the origin of these launches and landings. But that lie has now been pushed. It, it's weird to me. It's weird people get away with that. I've been calling out the Bass Strait, you know, on Twitter, whatever, being like, do you, were you conducting espionage? Do you think that that is it's weird or you think it's normal for people to try to find some sort of rational terrestrial origin for these things? And then they just dismiss people like yourself that are heavily invested in the, the UFO being extraterrestrial. Uh, but I'm not. The, right. You're not? No, I'm not, man. I am. Well, I, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The, the full answer might be cooler than that. So right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put all saying. my money on that. Well, I, I shouldn't say extraterrestrial. I should say not ours. Yeah. Not, not operated by a non-human intelligence. Yes. That'd be cool. Non-human intelligence. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Yeah. All of it's cool, but it's just such a weird aspect of current society that this has become a focal point of conversation. And this has become a, a focal point of investigations and articles being written and the Congress having hearings on it. Uh, I think I said this at the beginning, man. It's like the world is creaking under the weight of our collective UFO experience. I can feel it. It's like, I think there's an increase in frequency of these things. That, so that is for sure. There's an increase of frequency. Is it an increase in, d in d discovery or is it an increase of discussion? So that was like one of my big questions. Are, is our technology just better at picking this up? Right. And are just people... Okay. So it is both. Our technology is better at picking them up and there is a physical increase in frequency of these unidentifieds in areas they shouldn't be, you know, from our operational standpoint. Mm. And then, the, and then the discussion, I think once you start thinking about this, it's so exciting that I think people like to talk about it because it opens worlds to us. Yeah. Hmm. It's a unique time in history, right, that we can have this conversation and not be laughed out the room just because we're doing a thought puzzle here. Right. Before you just, like, dismiss. I used to feel all the time, man. I was like, let's talk about this shit. And people would just dismiss you. Well, people don't like looking ridiculous and foolish no that's that's part of the problem with the ufo narrative the ufo story is that it makes people look ridiculous and foolish because it's so crazy there's other crazier things man i just i think that so, so you know that was like by design though like our there was the robertson panel so like there was this huge flyover 
of UFOs in 1952 of the White House in Washington, D.C., two weekends in a row. I mean, everybody, I think Time Magazine did, did something on it. It was fucking big, right? They said, oh, no, we didn't send out any jets. Turns out they did. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't catch these things. So 1952, huge flyover of, of D.C., they hold a press conference, and they're like, you know, basically, we, we don't know what these are, but they don't seem to pose a national security threat. That was like the line, right? We don't know what these are, but they don't seem to pose a national security threat. So then they did this study. I think it was called the Robertson Panel. I'm terrible with this shit, but I think it's called the Robertson Panel. And they determined that the UFOs might not pose a national security threat, but public interest in them might. So their, their job was to demystify the UFO topic in public, make fun of it. Right. That's what Operation Blue Book did. Oh, they totally, yeah, they totally dismissed it. Swamp gas comes from that. Heineken. What's what's fascinating is the man who was responsible for Project Blue Book was Dr. J. Allen Hynek. And when he left Project Blue Book, he became the forefront UFO investigator and, and said, did. I think that a lot of the things that I investigated turns out were real. He felt guilt, right? He really? felt, yeah, I, I, I brought an Omni magazine for you. I forgot to bring it. When did he die? To I don't know. Too early. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that guy was cool as shit, you know? Yeah. But yeah, he, from, 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 just for people that don't know the basic of it, this guy was like I think astronomer, astrophysicist, I think astronomer. And man, he was involved with Project Blue Book and he was realizing they're making him try to dismiss all this shit. Yes. They were trying to find rational explanations for people seeing things yeah. that seemed preposterous. And what is it called? The Condon Committee or something? So basically they... They just were trying to make it go away. So and we know that they have a history of doing this. Yeah. We know that we have, they have a history of actively trying to dismiss these stories. Oh, yeah. To the point where part of the operation, like you, you read about that church committee where they'll put people into communities to disrupt them. To, to, the, the, the words would be to shape the emerging UFO narrative hmm. to this day. Now, why you want to shape it? Why would an intelligence agency want to shape this? Let's just get the information out there, right? I guess there's power in controlling the UFO narrative. Is there also like this disdain for the intelligence of the average person? Is that part of it? That they're like, these fucking people don't need to know. Well, if they're sitting on something really fucking cool, why would they want to give that up, man? Well, if they do believe that they... Most, uh, I think, politicians and people that get into great positions of power start to believe that they're better than the average person. Some cops have that. You know, they have a us versus them mentality. And I, I definitely think that lawmakers and, you know, and the like would have that as well, especially people involved in intelligence agencies. I mean, that's part of the gig is that you have access to stuff that the average person does not because you can handle it. And, and, you know, you're trained this way and this is how you behave. And and so then information comes along that's really fucking wild. Like there's this interdimensional spacecraft that can just appear over the ocean and disappear. And you, you go to fucking chase it, and it uh, faster than your eye can follow. It disappears over the horizon. Like, what do you what do you say and do about that? Like, what 
what could possibly benefit them to release that information to people like you and me? Yeah. First of all, I got a no douchebag policy. Everybody I know in government's fucking cool as shit. They're not like some ego tripping maniacs. A lot of people think this information, the basics should be public. And they think it's a crime that it's been held back. But there's just policies in place that they can't violate. Yeah, there's policies in place. And, and the main thing is their security clearances are their jobs, even when they're out, right? So right. If, if you do, if you lose that, even when you're out, it changes your fucking life. You've had this whole career that you're doing. But, they, but people I know in these positions that have access to this information, whether we believe them or not, like they're, they're good people. I think they want this information to be public and they think it's bigger than themselves. But that's what we're seeing. We're seeing finally representative government representing the public's interest to know about this. Now, is there anything under the hood? Let's find out. Do you think that them releasing information and having these discussions is their way of preparing us for the inevitable? that maybe this is the best way to do it, to get some information out there and say, we have recovered off-world crafts and we're seeing things that are not ours and the propulsion systems are, are not based on any known physics or that we, you know, we have a grasp of. That when they're telling us this, it's because they think that this is all gonna, it's gonna blow up in our face. And so we gotta get some information out there to prepare people, otherwise we're gonna have a collapse of society. We're gonna have a UFO landing on the White House lawn and panic in the streets and, and that they think that somehow or another they can mitigate some of the more negative aspects of that by releasing some data now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, a lot of people have said that you know, to me and even said, you know, maybe you're, you're a part of that and don't even know and that's why you're getting like videos and shit and right. you know, all that. The thing is, that the reality, though, if someone could just see that, you know, the reality is the people I know that are fighting for this inside and creating the language and trying to get this to happen, it's not organized from the diabolical or even like, it's not even organized in a way. It's, it's like pressure. Like if they knew, you know what I mean? It, it, it seems so mysterious that it almost looks like Machiavellian, like they're just getting the public ready. But in fucking reality, dude, I don't think it's that organized. That makes more sense because most things aren't that organized. It's just it's just not. People don't know each other. A lot of the people kind of fighting the good fight about UFOs, they don't even know each other. Mm, right. So they're just they're slowly but surely the overwhelming amount of evidence is causing people to have these discussions and enforce these discussions. That's my theory. Is we're, yeah. we're we're talking about it now, and it's not it's not fucked to talk about it now. You know, you know, you can you can have these conversations because people have favor come forward. You know. Do you ever feel like some of the stuff that you've been shown that you're not supposed to show that it would really benefit society to release that stuff to the point where you almost feel compelled? Like, how much difference do you? How much different do you think? the conversation would be about UFOs if people saw and knew what you know? Not much different? A little no, bit different? No, because no one trusts, like you don't, you could have a live alien on this podcast and people would say, it could be an actual live alien. I think alien. I already have. Elon's been on three times. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I did not believe his last thing about not being interested in UFOs, by the way. Well, I feel like that might have been motivated at least slightly by the fact that, uh, he smoked weed on my show and got in trouble with NASA. Oh, don't do that, huh? That's what I was thinking yeah. when he was so quickly dismissing it. Well, they sure are subtle. 
You know, when he was saying that, I was like, well, wouldn't they be subtle? Like, what would they be doing unless they're trying to freak us the fuck out? But when he smoked weed on the podcast and got in trouble with NASA, I, I would imagine that you'd want to show yourself as a respectable ball player. I'm here to play ball. I'm trying to get funding. That's I'm right. trying to launch my rockets. We're all on the same team, boys. I need that top secret clearance. I'm curious if they film the launches, if they have any footage of those launches being observed by what we call UAP or UFOs, mm. because I have a pilot and he gave me footage from, he was in this lucky position during one of these launches where he was the closest plane. And he gave me footage of what looked like, um, you know, objects like lights up observing this. This launch. is one of the SpaceX rockets. Yeah, bro. And so the thing is, it's, Anything you f you shoot out of a commercial airline, like it has to go through a process, so it's not something that like legally you could put out. Mm -hmm. But I am curious if Elon's company probably films the shit out of every part of those launches. Mm. Wouldn't it be interesting if these unidentifieds, whatever they are, were kind of observing us playing with these? Rockets? Maybe Elon needs to strap a nuke to one of those things just and to see bait how much him. bait him and bait him. <laughs> <laughs> would he tell you if if uh, me no he wouldn't tell you if they Definitely filmed any of those me. things nope you why would he I don't know because I'm a you're pothead with a big mouth <laughs> <laughs> no actually you know what um, you can keep a secret oh yeah no I've I've learned that that's really cool oh I'm good at keeping secrets yeah when it comes to stuff like UFOs and non you know I mean yeah. if there was a secret that like affect mankind yeah. and you know people are gonna die, I would tell people right 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 real you quick know. let them yeah. know I'd be like hey no. folks we the, got a problem there should but. be no panic like let, let's say let's say this all goes well and there is actually something under the hood with the UFO thing and that this congressional language it does bring forward people like fuck you know have Bob Lazar, he, Bob's already said everything to George in 1980 but people that have security clearances let's pretend this goes well I wonder, I would like to sit down with Bob again because I wonder what the experience has been like for Bob with the documentary coming out and then being on the podcast let's and like grab him. let's get him yeah let's get him back in would you think he'd do it again yeah he so, was a little uncomfortable about the attention I asked him about that again yeah. for you and um, yeah yeah Bob doesn't he, he doesn't even get it that people want to still talk with him. He, he doesn't get why? He doesn't get it. Yeah, he doesn't get why people want to still talk with him. I'm a Bob Lazar fanboy. Totally, dude. <laughs> and he, but by the way, if we didn't even talk about UFOs, we'd have the most fun fucking Well, when we went to dinner with him, yeah. we had a great time. He always tells me the craziest shit just about well, He told science. us some crazy shit that we can't talk about. Right. Yeah, which was wild, which explains a lot I about know. his education history and a I lot know. of other things. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then, you know, it also explains about like why he was chosen as yeah you know i know and i verified that further by the way so here's the deal i think he almost likes that he can be dismissed mm. what if everybody believed bob lazar right how fucked would his life be his life would be fucked it, yeah he's easily dismissed which is kind of good sometimes I think one of the, one of the things that was more interesting about your your do, or one of the things that was interesting about your documentary was when during the documentary, his lab got raided. Yeah, people people said, "Oh my god, my wife wanted to kill people." People said, "I fucking made that up for my. I just made up the raid, like hired actors and FBI shirts and shit." I swear yeah. to God, that was like yeah. a huge deal. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, 
people probably think you're in the FBI. Oh, or, oh or yeah, something. it's so fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people that are paranoid schizophrenics that are just running around accusing everybody of being a spy and yeah. being part of government agencies and what have you. But isn't it just easier to dismiss what somebody says if you can just dismiss them as being yeah. genuine or honest? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's such a complex subject because it seems foolish to spend any time thinking about it without anything really tangible. It's like everything is speculative. Everything is he said, she said, and here's some data, and it's, it's a thing that's going faster than the speed of sound by you know a, a, a factor of twenty or something like that. But, but I'll argue there's tons sipping. of evidence. You know, there's tons of evidence. Now, of, there's the human intelligence side of it, which is just you talk with people that mm -hmm. have no reason to lie. Yeah, but they that, got multiple but people witnesses. Do lie. They, tons of people do. People are crazy. But you can sort out what if one percent, mm -hmm. right? And I can. I'm so good at that now. You know, you get a call. You get, you know, you end up talking with somebody, you fucking know almost immediately if there's an angle, if there's an agenda. Why do people do stuff? They do stuff right. to get stuff. I'm just saying, I think there's a lot of information out there that is not public. I'm certain of it, actually, that there's a lot of information that's not public that should be. Mm. You know, you just UFOs are tangible. There is a tangible aspect to them, a mechanistic machine aspect to them. The weirder question is... Is that a is that a performance? You know, if something is so advanced, couldn't they make you feel, think, see whatever they want you to see? Right? Couldn't they be, you know, look like a tree? Yeah. <laughs> couldn't they, you know, fly through the clouds? I knew a guy who was uh, schizophrenic, who uh, I knew he was a little crazy, but I didn't know how crazy. And one day he shows me his phone and he shows me these pictures of clouds, and I think I'm just looking at some cool clouds. And he goes, you see it? You see this one? You see that? You see this one? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I see them every day. I go, what are you seeing? He goes, alien spacecrafts. I go, what? Yeah. I go, you see alien? I go, I see clouds. He goes, no, 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 no. These are these are alien spacecrafts disguised as clouds. And I, I'm, I'm I'm looking at him and I'm just recognizing. I knew he had a screw loose. Yeah. But I'm like, how many of those guys are out there thinking they they're seeing things? I've got like the cry folder in my emails. Cry? Yeah, it makes me really sad, man. Oh, because like schizos, dude. Like I, people have these incredibly painful experiences that are not UFO related. Oh, but, but that's a way that your mind can rationalize what's wrong with you, what's going mm. on, and I get them all the time, and I put them over here. Like probably needs medical attention, right? right. Luckily. There are some major universities that are quietly studying um, some of these biological effects. Biological and, effects of close, of close encounters. People that claim to have close encounters and constant encounters. Now, when it comes to that, what is the, what's the best evidence in terms of there have been people that have said they've been abducted and right. the, you know that yeah. I told you the story about Angela Hill who's a, a top UFC fighter her f grandfather was Barney Hill Barney Betty up. and Barney Hill that's yeah. her grandparents yeah. which is so crazy yeah man yeah that's a great case that was really interesting really interesting because it's early yeah. early it was like the 50s right I probably yeah and it's sort of the archetype for all these UFO abduction experiences. Lost time, traveling together on a road in the middle of nowhere, light shows up, 
they lose time and then hypnotic regression it's the most popular yeah one you could call it an archetype because it's, it's so well known but man it's is like, that a problem though that things become really well known and then they become a thing that a person sort of formulates in their head when they have a questionable experience the mind fills in the blank you know like when they say uh like one of the things that happens like in the case of a disaster or some sort of very traumatic event like a mass shooting or something like that people see things that aren't didn't really happen or they have a very distorted memory of it because they're so in shock you know like in times of war and things like that like they they see things that weren't really there or that were inaccurate like their their version of it that they when they recount it is all fucked up mm-hmm. because the mind gets scrambled by period uh, uh, by uh, moments of extremely high stress, high adrenaline, worried you're going to die, you know, da, 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 gun explosion. Like everybody has like fucked up stories. Yeah, we try to explain these experiences that are like so outside of our norm that how do you describe it? You have to take things that you know, right, in in order to describe those things. Um, trying to think of a good concrete example of that but um it is my understanding when i listen to people that i that i do believe had these close encounters that they can't find the words to describe the experience because they've never had an experience like this before right which is similar to when people describe psychedelic experiences yeah yeah they they you know a lot of times when people describe psychedelic experiences they sort of tend to describe them the way they've heard other people describe them because yep. it makes it more comfortable and easy, you know. And I think that one of the more interesting things about this whole um, idea of um, UFOs happening or, excuse me, um, encounters happening to people while they sleep is that, you know, you could dismiss one aspect of it by saying that it's an endogenous dump of um naturally produced psychedelic chemicals which we know the mind yeah, creates DMT in the, yeah. yeah but the other thing is which where it gets weirder is well what if that is a legitimate way of communicating with aliens i tried to do that one time yeah yeah you know just to just to see am i going to have this typical experience like i wanted that so bad what everybody mm-hmm. you know has described like let me see if there's any there there let me right. try it you know right i was totally atypical bro it was like nothing um you know, so maybe, yeah, I don't know. When you say totally atypical, what do you mean? Meaning my experience of it wasn't what I was looking for, but was what I needed, you know? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I didn't get to... You, know, you didn't meet the aliens no, man, I, jump so aboard cool. the spaceship. Have you ever seen that shit? Aliens? No. No, I've never seen yeah. like like what you would call traditional aliens, but I've I've definitely encountered entities. Yeah. In, in psychedelic experiences. I got a Cheshire cat that keeps winking at me. I had a bunch of jokers give me the finger. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But they, they were explaining something to me that I take myself too seriously. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and they were like, right? And then I was like, you're right. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it was interesting because they were like, fuck you. Because I think what I was trying to do was like maybe control my thoughts during the experience instead of just letting go. And, uh, and maybe I had some sort of an elevated idea of bringing back my experience and telling other people and seeming profound, and they were just like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it was it was interesting that these jokers, and they were jesters, like court jesters right. with like the hats and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it was to ch- sort of let me. 
explain to me in some way that I have a very unique job and that part of my job is what's what's important is to not take myself too seriously. Yeah. Cuz that that's a giant that's a giant pitfall. That's like what a lot of people fall into when they get a lot of attention. They start thinking of themselves in a very high regard. They th- they start yeah. thinking that they're they're really important. Instead of just thinking that what you do is probably a gift and really you're really very fortunate. So yeah. don't don't take yourself very seriously, but you're just a very fortunate person that's in this unique position. But it's not like that you're special. Don't take yourself so seriously. And also, if you do, it will fuck up your ability to do the job. Yeah, yeah. So it, that was what the, and it I makes think, you anxious, right? Like yeah. you want to perform well to do a good job right, in life right, and all right. this shit. And all of a sudden, you take yourself too seriously, and you get I get fucking anxiety if yeah. I don't do something well, mm-hmm. and it's an extra pressure. It does nothing good for what you're trying to do. Right. I had this uh, Cheshire cat, right? And it was like the first time, <laughs> I, I I noticed nothing. Yeah, right. First time I noticed nothing. Another time, it was like, bam! You're what winked at me. You're that fucker for a millisecond that winked at me. So I started to get to know this Cheshire cat. And this cat was like telling me, I'm ancient and powerful. Imagine a Cheshire cat saying that. Wow. And I started, I started arguing with it. I said, well, I'm ancient and powerful. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like but then we kept going back and forth. And with every fucking moment, it was diminishing. And no, I'm really, I'm ancient and powerful. You know, it was like, we got in this argument. So that was like my multiple experiences, like arguing with this fucking Cheshire cat, being like, is it ancient and powerful? One time it showed me it's pretty strong, but like, what's up? Now, here's the, the thing that happened that I didn't anticipate. It was like a systems check, bro. Like, like a, like a, tried to blow my speakers. And it's like, if, you, if you're off your path, you're going to feel pain and anxiety. And if you're on your path, you're going to feel fucking good. Yeah. Pay attention to that. Yeah. And then it cured my insomnia. Oh, Like medical insomnia for, you know, the first 30 years of my life. And you think that insomnia was based on that anxiety? No, no. It, it felt like it was a miracle miraculous thing that I never even heard of happening with people but it was like from that moment on like my older brother you know was around just to you know because I didn't know this shaman guy right so like I wanted, I wanted like someone to have my back right like a sitter yeah, just somebody who watching yeah. me with this person the shaman actually panicked and and started having a panic attack it was weird dude the shaman and, did yeah man yeah it was weird and so then I was just, because I was doing it alone, too, like this ayahuasca thing. So it was just you and the shaman and yeah. your brother, and the yeah, shaman had watching. a panic attack. Yes, what looked like a panic attack. Was he also under the influence? Yeah, they always take it with you, I guess. Oh, I only so did he, it one t- I only did that freaked. one time. Yeah, he freaked, man. Whoa. Yeah, it was kind of disconcerting. So this is DMT, so it's short trip? No, So, but this was, so ayahuasca, which contains DMT. Right. So, um, but it's like a longer experience. Okay, right, right, right. Right. So that's the one that cured my insomnia. That's not the Cheshire cat. Mm, okay. That's the short stuff. But um, this one, it, yeah, it was like, um, it was the only time that I ever felt my body possessed by something other, you know, something else. Mm-hmm. And then it like did a system check. Like, imagine you have a billion drawers of number two pencils, all different colors at different lengths, mm-hmm. and it opens each drawer and looks that you've, use that you know one quarter amount and they shut the drawer it was like brrr, like it just did a system check wow kind of then it was like okay good job now let's see if we can break something and it like tries to blow my fucking speakers out this was my subjective experience right tries to like blow my speakers out my body makes like Whoa, like it was weird 
And then it was like a slap on the ass. It felt like, like this experience of life is so fragile and, and momentary and you could fuck up really easy. If you just get a little off course in, in 10 years from now, you're gonna be way the fuck off course. Right. So it kind of was like, you'll know if you start going off course. That's what I took from it. Again, mm -hmm. I only did it one time, but that's what I took from it. You'll know and so trust your intuition. Correct and course you, immediately too. Right, and understand that the way when you feel badly about something like that, that there's a reason for that. Yes, that, that if you to me specifically, you'll feel pain. You'll that feel anxiety and indicators pain. for me. Yeah, yeah, but these are indicators that the, like whatever it is, the universe is giving you that you're not on the path that you're supposed to be on. Yeah, man, because our past, like, the, mine's been very varied. I'm always finding my place, my place in life in what I didn't think I would do. You know, I always thought I would, you know, train judo or boxing or, you know, and I would always do like a martial art. When I started making films and I started doing, I started making art, fine art, and then making films, I never thought I'd be in that. I, I had a loss of identity, a loss of my spirit. Like I was like so off course, I was, I got so sick from something called valley fever, I couldn't train anymore. What's valley fever? It's like a, you can get it, you inhale a fungus or a spore and oh. it, it attacks your lungs. And typically people could feel like they got a cold or they fucking die or something like that. And what happened was I was overseas and I had been harboring it in my body for about two and a half months. And I look at myself in the mirror and I'm fucking like skeleton. And I emergency came home, went to special disease at UCLA and they treated me for it, which is you take this whole body antifungal. But the problem is it had gone into my lungs, my kidneys, near my heart, like it got into my bloodstream. So I started getting like a abscess in my arm. I was, I was a really healthy athlete. But when that happened, it took from me the ability to do what I thought I was. And I had to completely re-understand my life that I am not just the things that I do, that the things I do come from who I am, where my passion is, you know? So mm. it, it kind of... That, that was a learning lesson for me, is going through an illness that stopped me from doing what I loved to do and thought that's all I would ever do. Mm. So the path is like curvy, but I accept that. As long as I'm you know, being true and I, I'm not feeling that anxiety and pain, I mean, it's okay to feel pain, it's great to feel pain. With, with you, your fascination of the UFO experience and then you having psychedelic experiences, did you feel like there's any sort of connection between psychedelic experiences and UFO experiences? Like, did you think that those realms that you access through psychedelics in any way are related to extraterrestrial intelligence? I love the theory. I have no idea. I just know that I can, like, mushrooms has, like, cured my cluster migraines, you know? I know that there's something there that is of great benefit to my consciousness from time to time, but I don't know if I'm tapping into like, I wouldn't even, I've never felt that I'm tapping into like an other intelligence rather than our collective intelligence. Mm -hmm. I don't know, people say that, but also I've never had like a close encounter, you know what I mean? Like, right. What have you had? Like what, what we encounters need, We need Foley for this. Yeah, because Foley, did you and Foley have something together? Yeah. He he, he, he talked about it uh, publicly, and, and I saw I didn't want him hanging out in the wind on his own. So 
Uh, I did see something with Foley, something I'd never seen before. Where'd you guys go? So we're by where I live, and we're just hanging out, and we're going on a walk, and it's just as the sun is kind of setting, just, you know, talking shit. And he makes some fucking joke, and he's like, oh, coming out to see the UFO expert, I figured I'd see a UFO. I really wish we could see one. I'm like, oh, you're funny. You should be a comedian, asshole. You know, it's like, we're just fucking with him. He's fucking with me. Not 45 seconds after he says that, I go, turn the fuck around. I thought it would be super brief. I thought it would be brief. This big fucking glowing thing that comes in at 45 degrees and just goes like over this valley, right? And I just thought it'd be a shooting star or something. You know, your mind says, so this is normal. This is normal. Right. And we're both standing there looking at it. He's, he, I, I said out loud, I have, pra- I have practiced the quick draw with the phone. I'm not going to be that asshole that sees something and doesn't film it. Right. I have practiced this quick draw. Otherwise, people are going to hate me, right? Right. I, I said out loud, he always reminds me of this. I said out loud, I am not even going to try and film this. It was so astonishing looking. It was so different than, it wasn't close encounter, it wasn't close, but it was so different than what I was used to seeing that I was kind of stunned. And so was he. And we, we thought maybe it'd be really brief. But this thing goes, it comes down at 45 degrees. It was big. It big looks, like how big? Well, it's hard to tell because, it, because it's not shaped like something that I know the size of. But I could tell it was within the valley. So it was big. I mean, at, at, least, a, at least a few school buses in length three or four together at least is, is what I'd have to say. And when you say um, that it wasn't shaped like anything right. that you could recognize, like what do you th- what was it shaped like? He says like a hamburger with a bite out the front. Um, Foley said that, which I would agree with. Um, but I'm, what I'm saying is if you show me a 747, I can tell you-, you Didn't know, Dave draw it? He did. And it, it's very accurate. He, he put it on his Twitter, I think. Right. And Okay, so it had these big lights in the front. It was so, so weird looking. It had these big lights in the front, but the whole body of it would glow and pulse. And he, here's the weird part to me. So he has a different thing that he thinks is really important. I have my feeling. The thing comes in at 45 degrees. This was the crazy shit for me. It does this movement where once it levels out, it goes like, four times impossible speed in these jumps and every time it did it it would flare up like almost like what i was impressed by was the tremendous power the power that it took to make these movements boom 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 four of them no sonic booms that shit was way too fast it looked like it was sliding it was fucking weird dude and then dave right so so that's the angle it came in towards our view our angle of view and it's it's traveling where those three lights are, but that's not what glowed. The body of it glowed every time it made these slip marks, these slip movements. Then it went over to a hill, sat there, and then just descended down. So it says what Dave wrote is, after years of interest in the UFOs without ever seeing anything, I saw something. This is a drawing of what I saw. I was with a friend who I'll let decide if he wants to be attached to this, and he does, there he is. <laughs> it moves silently at great speed, hovered and pulsated with light. Huh. And then I made a comment or something on there, but yeah. Yeah. So look, so we got Foley, who 
how old is he now? I mean, he also writes, I should point out the white lights at the front of the craft, assuming that it was moving forward. And those lights pulsated separately from the body of the craft, which also pulsated. Right. And then Mick West, of course, jumps in. Jesus. Cloud, you share a date, time, location. I think he meant to say could. And if known direction. Oh, yeah. I mean. I went off full of UFO investigator. We didn't tell anybody for a long time. Like even tell my wife about it. It's fucking weird, right? I like looked at where the International Space Station was. I looked at all air traffic. You know, you're trying to just make sense of it. Right. I know it's extraordinary. It did something that, that I. Why didn't you pull your phone out, man? What? Why didn't you pull your phone out when you saw I, it? I, it, dude, it makes it, it, it makes me more angry than it makes you. It doesn't make me angry. It makes me really angry. Like I was like, because you just wanted to experience yes, it. Yes, because it was so I thought nuts it would be right. I thought it would be so brief. Right. You know, you I didn't want to. Because then you lose like some eyesight. But Dave, Dave says we, and he's right. We reacted very strangely to seeing something so unique. Like, it's like, it was void of emotion. Like it hypnotized you. I'm not saying that shit. They, they, no, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like almost like the uniqueness, the novelty of it, that it was so wild and that you knew you were seeing something unique yeah. to the point where yes. it, like, it like yes. totally captivates agree. you. Captivated me. It did. It was it was beautiful in that how weird and exotic it was. And look, here's the joke. I'm the guy you know, hunting UFOs, talk to all these people every day that have encounters that I believe, and I never saw shit. I would always be the guy going in to get the night vision goggles to look at the sky and everybody starts screaming, oh my God, did you just see that? I was the guy always with his back turned. Yeah. Now it's like me bringing sand to the beach, man. The UFO guy sees the UFO. Who's gonna believe me? I'm the least believable. That's the problem with the whole UFO experience is that no one believes anyone unless they've had an experience themselves. Right. Like when you have an experience yourself, there's probably this pause where you don't really want to talk about it because you don't want everybody to think you're a loon. Yeah, well, I'm way past that. You know, I got no right. credibility to ruin at this point. But <laughs> fucking easy. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I've not seen anything. I don't think. I mean, maybe I saw something when I was a kid, but I'm probably exaggerating. I really believe you got to just look up. I really believe that. I think that if. So you think there's more than enough of them yeah I, I think that if it is what we think it is if there is a presence let's just call it non-human intelligence mm -hmm. and it is engaging humanity and has been for a long fucking time since the beginning of recorded human history if not before if any of this is true it seems reasonable that they in some way they want to be seen on a personal level if, if any of this is true if you look up, man, just look the fuck up. You know, I, I believe if you really want it and you look up, there's something to this UFO thing, man. Well, I know that there's been a series of sightings in Southern California and that a lot of people have saw things, particularly off of Catalina. Well, that area. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. What do you think that's about? Don't know. You look, look locationally? Yeah. It's about... I don't know, that's an interesting area of the world. There are some places that seem to have higher activity of these UFOs. Do you think maybe one of the explanations would be that Catalina is off the coast of California and that they use the water as like a place where they have a base or where they meet or where they 
where they a fueling station or something. whatever, or maybe just a safe place, man. Yeah, or a place to completely avoid detection. Yeah, yeah. I was told a long time ago um, by an admiral that I trust, like family, that this is important to look into. That there's there's meat on the bone. And that every branch of our military studies this current day, and this was 10 years ago, having this conversation, I was asking, should I waste my time on this Lazar guy? Like, you know, that's specifically, because this is a person that would know, let's leave it at that, right? And it took a while for this person to really answer me, you know, like they let me into some cool places to check out just because I had fascination about this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, some military stuff. They let me come see stuff because I had fascination. Not not UFO stuff, just general stuff. Right. And the, the person we're talking about ended up saying to me, it's worth your time specifically to do to, to look into Lazar. It's worth your time. And this is somebody that has stopped me from wasting my time on other ideas. Right. right. And this person also said to me that there's more activity under the water than there is in the air with these UFO things. If that's wow. true, if that's true, I said, well, I said, how the fuck am I going to research that? I'm going to submarine. Like, you know what I mean? Right. What am I supposed to do? Right. With that information. Thanks. He's like, you ever seen the, the movie The Abyss? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's a good one. <laughs> oh. I the mean, movie The Abyss was fascinating, right? Because that opened up people's ideas to the idea, or opened up people's minds to the idea that there could be a spaceship in the water and aliens in the water. And then, of course, like, you would have no idea that they were there. Right. Abyss is great to the ending. The ending is like kind of... I don't remember... Kind of hokey. The ending. The ending's like, why why are you showing me so much? I'm just glad the movie exists. I just watched uh, Contact again. Contact's great. Have you watched that recently? Yeah, I watched it a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago? I think I watched it during the pandemic when the first pandemic first started. Watched it again. I love that movie, man. It's a great movie. I hadn't seen it since it came out probably, right? And yeah. I watched it the other week. It's that it's that thing where the rest of the world doesn't experience what that person experiences. So Jodie right. Foster, right? She dropped, is that her name? And she dropped yes. down in that thing. Mm-hmm. I remember they put a chair in it and the chair started going crazy because yeah. it wasn't designed that way. Right. And she gets out of it and the chair smashes against it. For her, she had this whole experience. You know, whatever, not, you know, number of hours, 22 hours or whatever. The rest of the world just saw, yeah, not even a second. Yeah, that's your interdimensional theory right there. The idea that there's popping into timelines, yeah, across space and time. Well, I think if you were an incredibly advanced being, you know, if you think about the human race, if the human race doesn't blow itself up and we move on and continue to advance for another million years you would assume that we would have the ability to do all kinds of things that are just science fiction now. And one of them might be interdimensional travel, access to realms that are previously unseen that we just don't understand because we're just too primitive. It was preposterous to fly like a bird at one time. Yeah, Yeah, it was preposterous to go on a train. They thought if you go on a train more than 35 miles an hour, your body would liquefy or something. They thought you would die. And yeah. to put metal up in the air, right? Yeah, just crazy. I mean, it's all yeah. crazy until it's science fiction until it's science fact. Man. Right. So, so maybe what we're witnessing is just nature. See, that's my whole thing with this UFO thing is, if this is just nature, if this is part of the ecosystem of the world we live in, right? 
we're just like UFOs are part of our reality. There's nothing we can do about that anymore. That has been determined. You've done been told. Disclosure in that sense has already been done. You've, to- you've been told UFOs are real. It's just like, what does that mean for us? In How large of an ecosystem is this that we're dealing with? Isn't that just nature? Like before we thought there were monsters in the ocean. You've said that before. We thought right. there was monsters in the ocean. Now we got names for them. Maybe what we're seeing is just a part of nature that we are just becoming aware of, just like a Copernican revolution for whatever. Right, that there are entities and there are life forms that are far more advanced than us. Yeah. And that they've always been here. And that the UFO mystery or puzzle might represent something more than just physical machines from other intelligent entities you know yeah. there might be something bigger going on like um, what well i don't know like as if it's being presented that way to us to, to almost like educate us or teach us something i would hope that I, I think that's a cool theory so they're allowing us to formulate new thoughts based on these experiences in contact right. and 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 sightings i mean it's such like an altruistic way of looking at it but right. I, if i was like this hyper intelligent species whether being here on earth or just been here a long time Maybe I got stuck here, right. or I'm from somewhere else. Bringing people, adapting people to your presence, and and helping an evolution, a technological evolution. These craft that that like crash, like maybe that's to inspire the next leap for us. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Defense people would be like, Jeremy, that's bullshit. They're prepping the battlefield. We're fucked. We need to find out their intent. Yeah, it's a different perspective. But it's also they seem well. They, well, you would know this. Because I've said this before, I want to make sure it's true. They, the sightings picked up in a big way after they dropped the bombs. Yeah, fact. Yeah, so after Hiroshima and Nagasaki, that's when all the sightings started happening. Well, the, even the development. Oh, so during the Manhattan Project. Ju- yeah, during the development. but The Trinity. UFOs have always been part of the human experience. Let's, let's not forget that. Right. But it is. But we don't know what those people are seeing, right? When they right. talk about the vimanas and the the shields the, of fire in the sky, yeah, we don't know what they're seeing. How could the we? Bhagavad Gita? Yeah, there's 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 in so many different like Ezekiel, right? Yeah. In the Bible, yeah. a wheel within a wheel. It's all interpretation, right? Like, what the fuck was Ezekiel talking? Well, what I don't know. But people are seeing right. things seeing in the something. sky that yeah. seem to be machines. I mean, no matter what, they describe that. There's also these ancient depictions and paintings of what looks like people in spacecraft flying around. I've got a, a one of the first posts I ever did on my website is like an image of a of a a painting from pre-flight days, mm-hmm. and it shows this fucking disc, and it's shooting down light onto like John the Baptist or something. I don't know. Right, dude. Artists will sometimes paint what they have seen and put it in historical context. The shit's haunting, man. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what, what we're seeing today has been seen before. Again, I've got an article from 1960 where there's cubes in spheres that fighter pilots see. Ooh, where's that article? It's, I can literally, I'll just give you, I had to get it from somebody, but. Do you have a copy in yeah, your yeah, phone? Yeah, yeah, I got it right here. Get it and uh, get it to Jamie. Yeah. I need to see that. But still, the fact that from the 1960s, they have this same thing that they saw that is... What's your airdrop? Oh, sorry. Let me open mine up. Jamie's MacBook Pro? Yeah, you can do that. 
that'll work. What's crazy too is that for whatever reason, um, they seem to go to specific areas. Like you were saying that the cube with the sphere, here it is. Two identified pilots, one flying a Frontier Airlines plane, the other a military jet, reportedly spotted the object. The FAA at Grand Junction said the objects appeared to be spherical and enclosing a square object. The lights alternatively flashing the different colors appear to emanate from the square object within the sphere. The FAA spokesman here declined to comment further on it. And then uh, go all the way up, Jamie, so we can see what year this is, what, what time. the. So this is the Alamogordo, New Mexico, Thursday, September 29th, 1960. Wild. Yeah, man. That's wild. An online sleuth found this for me. UFO flashes colored lights on the heels of the green and bright orange unidentified flying objects spotted in the Alamogordo skies Sunday night and early Monday morning. A flashing red, white, and green UFO has now been spotted in several New Mexico and Colorado cities. Which, by the way, red, white, and green, people were like, oh, that's FAA lights on the stuff I released. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, really, bitch? I'm like, okay, well, look, they were doing red, white, and green back in 1960 when fucking cubes were flying around. And, you know? That is so wild that it's the exact same description. Yes. A cube encased in a circle. I don't wow. even think, I, I've, I've told none of the pilots about this. I don't know why I've, I've just uh, never shared this with them. There's, they should probably know. They know now. Yeah. So show them. It's 1960. Cool. Yeah, man. Safety of flight issues, cubes yeah. again, 1960. That's crazy. Whew. That's really wild, man. Really wild. What? what why are you? Why are you interested in UFOs? Well, I, I guess I've always been. I think everybody is. Most people. If you if you if you thought they were real, you know the pe the people that aren't interested in them, they're not interested in them because they think it's nonsense. But if they really thought there's a a strong potential for it to be real. I don't know how you could not be fascinated. That's why, like, I had that argument with Neil deGrasse Tyson about it. Like, why would they care about us? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We go study slugs, you know. We study spores and microbes. Why wouldn't they study territorial apes with thermonuclear weapons? Like, why wouldn't they study that? Of why course they would. Why isn't he salivating over the fact? He's an odd guy. Okay. I don't know what the fuck is going on in his mind. I really don't. He was uh, mocking people for uh, being interested in the eclipse. Yeah, and everybody was giving him shit online. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, you, you're literally the guy that's like telling everybody to look at the cosmos. Yeah, you, you know, it's yeah. Like, what are you doing? It's your inconsistency <laughs> that I've, I've yet to understand. Maybe he's troubled. Maybe he's not happy. I don't know. I just, I, don't, I mean, he generally has uh, so much joy when it comes to science. It's like the the inconsistency is con confusing to me. And the idea that they wouldn't be interested in us is, to me, preposterous. We w would be, if we found something like us somewhere else, we would be so fat. If we found frogs on Mars, just frogs. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, if you believe the messaging that people talk about, like, the, the, I'm friends with these two ladies. They were at the aerial school, um, and they, you know, were 
where, that's where the craft landed and like a bunch of kids, 60 kids or something, they see it. John Mack went and studied it, all this stuff. So the, the two females that I know that were there, closest proximity to what they said was a, a being that came out. Um, they're like, we were mesmerized by it. Like looking in the eyes of this thing, they were mesmerized by it was the words. And it put these images in their head, which at the time didn't mean anything much to them. It was like destruction of the earth, like this mm. whole thing. But talking to them now, they're like, maybe we're supposed to talk about this. It's still with them. Like what they saw, if you believe their story or not, they believe it, I'll tell you that much. You know, that they got these visual messages and I've heard this over and over and over. I just, I wonder what they're up to, these fucking weird things, man. Putting ideas into people's heads, man. Is this that painting you see? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. So it's called the Baptism of Christ? Uh-huh. Look at the year. 1710. So that thing in the sky is a circular object that's showing beams of light that shoot down on the Baptism of Christ. Go, can you zoom in on the object? Yeah, what is that? 1710. That is wild. I mean, what do you think they were trying to show? It's hard to say, but it's illuminating one very specific area on the ground, much like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, I'm just, everything else in that painting doesn't look interpretive, right? Like the people look like people. It's not a Salvador Dali painting. So I'm going to make the assumption that in this style of painting, you're drawing this idea of what is there. So I would have to think maybe this person who painted this, you know, maybe they've seen something like that before. Or that's like their version of showing the power of God without showing God. Right. I could see that like a light, a beam of light down to the sky from the heavens. I mean, they're not showing something that they're seeing because it's the baptism of Christ. They they weren't there for that. Right. right. But I'm saying that they're they're drawing something where the people look like people. Yeah, it's realistic. So like, what is a disc? Yeah. You know, it's 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 just I have no idea. It's just fascinating. Yeah. In ancient artwork that you've got these things that look like this why are you i'll turn the question on you why are you so interested in ufos i don't fucking know dude <laughs> i think that's funny it is kind of funny uh, because we're we both don't have a real answer i i, I haven't i haven't really uh, figured that out no one does i mean i, I like I, to hunt Right, the, the the chase is fascinating. That people will right? talk to me, that I get to sit yeah. in these rooms, that I get to be on these phone calls. And the wonder, right? Oh, dude, the wonder, bro. Yeah, the wonder is really intense. I almost don't want to figure this shit out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I kind of do want to, but then maybe the, the mystique will be all gone, then we'll feel terrified. Right. Because... They're just space whales, and they're turds. Well, no, I don't think so. I, I think the <laughs> idea would be that we're lab rats. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's scary to me is that somehow or another we're being examined and we are such a preposterous yet super advanced civilization. I mean, we're, you know, we're governed by politicians that are clearly corrupt and also full of shit. We uh, allow those same people to control uh, various aspects of the way we interact with other, other governments that could lead to mass deaths and often do. It's really wild. Like when you think about what we're doing, you know, we use coal-powered plants to power 
supposedly zero emission electric cars. It's like, are you fucking crazy? That's, you know, and then we're terrified of nuclear power, which is probably the cleanest, safest form of power that we've ever devised. Like, we're weird. We're weird across the board. Every country has their hands in this UFO thing. Yeah? What country embraces it the most openly, publicly? US. The US. Oh, no, openly and publicly. I don't know. France has been really good about it. Brazil. Um, I mean, even even Chinese were saying there's so much data that they're analyzing it with AI to help c- aggregate the data. Brazil had uh, famous crashes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and out of those, some metal evidence was retrieved, and correct? For, I don't know how you say it, but Virginia is where the... the the being came out and um, someone got real sick from it all. Yeah, look, but there have been crashes in in many of, of the country, you know, many of the main countries that like we'd consider um, technologically advanced or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like Russia uh, as well, like George Knapp, remember he obtained, I'll say obtained and got out from Russia all the classified, a bunch of the classified documents from the Russian UFO program. And he went and talked with people there. He went twice during Glasnost and Perestroika. And the, and these are the people that ran the UFO programs. And inside those documents, which he's had translated now, right, mm-hmm. um, they tell that they were trying to, you know, reverse engineer uh, laser technology, that they knew we had UFO retrieval programs, that they knew that, you know, s- some of our programs were doing UFOs. Like, all of this is what George Knapp got that out of Russia at a time when he could have been arrested for bringing that shit out in the airport, right? Every major country has interest and a stake in this because I think people want a technological advantage, man. If they can ascertain anything right. from this, they got a fucking technological advantage. If, if Russia had, had anything, they'd be using it right now, too. That's the thing. If we had a really great uh, weapon caused you know, from the retrieval stuff. But um, other, other legislative people from other countries have reached out to me saying that they want to replicate what the U.S. is doing in their country. So the U.S. is doing it most openly now? Right now, I would say that is a correct statement. I mean, fast and hard, this language in the, the the UFO language in the National Authorization, Defense Authorization Act of 2023, UFO whistleblower language? No one's done this before. So assuming Bob was telling the truth, yeah, and Bob Lazar is telling the truth, that means that Area S four housed multiple yes. off-world crafts. Yep. If that's the case, where are those things now? No, I, I don't know. I bet you they fucking moved those out the second Bob opened his big ass mouth. Where would they take them? Do you think there's another site like that, but it's still remaining top secret? And isn't that increasingly difficult to do with satellite technology? I know there are facilities that uh, are not. That we can keep secrets. We we can. Our government can keep secrets. That's for sure. And so there are some top secret facilities that, like Area Fifty One, used to be speculative. Right? It was speculative mm-hmm. until they had to acquire more land and make more land top secret around the outside of it. So they had to admit that it was there. Right? Yeah. Because too many people were land grab visiting. Too many. Yeah. How much of a factor do you think you and I had in the storm? Area 51 movement. I'm going to say zero. <laughs> no, dude. The, the kid the kid um, watched the movie, watched your podcast, and just went up and threw that shit up online. I was doing damage control, man. I mean, I got some angry ass calls, like, are you going to cause problems kind of shit? And I'm right. like, no, I'm going to go manage it, man. Yeah. You know, don't just go out go. there. 
Don't yeah. go, everybody. People that want to dog me is like, most well known for the debacle of the 50, Storm 51 thing. I didn't have nothing to do with that. Nothing. But nothing. I meant in terms of like influencing it. A hundred percent. Is that okay to say? Because <laughs> cause that's the truth. You know, fucking so stupid. Yeah. yeah. Those conversations we had, I think, with Bob Lazar in particular, really fill people's minds with imagination. But look at that. Look how, look. And by the way, it, it was it was fun. People were really calm and nice. There were some bad actors, like people trying to stir me up, you know? Right. You gotta that's go raid those gates. No, I think they were like actual Probably fucking feds. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like the people that are telling Cre- people to storm the Capitol. Cre- get your zip ties. Let's get in there and find Pelosi. Creep yeah. me out, bro. Yeah, I got like that. I got that evil bad feeling mm-hmm. where I thought something bad was going to happen. I think anytime there's any kind of an organization, any kind of an organization, someone from the federal government infiltrates it yeah. and tries to get them to do something fucked up. Right. So that they can invade yeah. and then take people down and arrest them. I just think that's how they operate. But it was, it was kind of beautiful, though, to see people be able to get close to this like super secret yeah. gate that normally you'd be thrown on the ground in front of. And what are you doing here? And they were like, there was like a whole welcoming committee. Really? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I was standing up there. I got footage of it, man. Just What's full, the, who was the welcoming committee? All different agencies, plain clothed. Like they made sure you know not to cross that line. But as long as you don't even think about that, it was all hugs and high fives and really? let's take photos. Yeah, I got tons of photos of people there, right? At the, <laughs> and they're just all, and then some people recognized me as one of the people that might have like you know right yeah, like that and then it, and then it was like more selfies it was so funny dude oh, that's they were super kind and i thought i thought how cool how cool is that that they were like no we're just like we're cool today you can be here right. today do you think that they know anything the employees there yeah i've talked to a lot of employees a lot like former employees current employees and um it's so compartmentalized but the one place, I don't think I should say this because then maybe they'll stop doing it. But the one place where the word on the wash is strong, as they say, is the bar at 51. There's a bar there? Yeah, man. It's a little secret I keep in because I know the name and I know kind of I can describe it. So if I get somebody. So it's only the military out, guys that go there and drink. Yes, you have to be on base. You have to be on right. base. But it's like it's always the bar, right, where people of talk. Course. So that's where all the rumors go. So site four, all that stuff, mm-hmm. after talking maybe, you know, 30, 40 people, current, past, all that stuff, you know, people know that there's a facility at Papoose. They know that. So if you think that they moved everything out of there when Bob started opening his mouth in the late 80s, is there any speculation as to where they would have moved it? I have no speculation, and I don't know they did move it. That's something George has said is like, oh, if it was there, it's gone now because... Where would you take it? Maybe you leave it right fucking there. Right. No one's going there. Nobody's going there. I, I actually, somebody that I've spoken with on record has gone there because they were just, you know, they had access to... And they the second they hit Papoose Dry Lake, like out of nowhere, civilian contractors with machine guns and black attire put him face down and he's a navy guy he's a navy guy with like a good access to the land of 51 because it's so compartmentalized usually you couldn't run around but what he was doing which i it's not important but he had access to more of the land right he got fucking thrown on the ground he became a believer that day he's like there is an installation i just want you to know my story because he goes i didn't see the exact thing i didn't get that far he goes but if there was nothing there where 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 the people come from right so you get anecdotal, I don't know, dude. Bob, he's so gangster. I don't know if people know this, but the U.S. would never sell satellite time 
to take photos of Papoose Lake in 1989, 1990. So he hired a Russian satellite to take photos. Really? He did. He hired a Russian satellite. How does mm-hmm. one even facilitate that? I, I got to talk. I, I've seen the negatives. It, they're in they're in L.A., and a buddy of his has them. I, I want the world to see them. They're pretty neat. They, they believe there's there's something there to be seen. Still? No, like in these, in these satellite. In these satellite images. Yeah, like it looks like Could a saucer. To, does Google Earth have pictures of Area S4? I don't I mean, Let's kinda, find out. Yeah, find I'm out. sure. Yeah. I mean, people have taken planes and tried to come in. See, there's nothing there to see in the mountains. They've got planes close by with, like, long lens cameras. Are you fucking kidding me? If it says Lazar described, which, by the way, I've had so many confirmations that it is. There is a facility there like Bob described, right? Right. But if it was there, the whole point of it is to not be seen from the air. Right. That would be the whole point. Right. We have that in, in, in Switzerland, too, by the way. We have, like, hillsides. And if you know what you're looking for when you fly in to Switzerland, you can see markings on the roads where the planes come out of hills that are completely disguised as foliage and that. The planes come out, taxi onto the roads and take off. And From you, the roads? Uh-huh. And you can, you can see, if you know what you're looking for, when you fly over Switzerland, you can see the markers. So the markers... Like where they're told to go through, or yeah, the or like the flight the takeoff planes. landing, yeah, where those planes would take off and land. So like they the know. rubber where the the tires hit. Like, er, yeah, er, yeah, er. I think where they're going to land and then and then hide these planes back into these hills that are retractable. Really? Yeah, man, that's what I'm told. Okay. Yeah, we'll look into it. We'll look into. We'll it. look into it. Got any? Which one? Area S4. I'm looking for that. I mean, yeah. You can see above it. Clearly, let's see what that looks like. <clears throat> well, it's, I, I'm looking for pictures of it, but that's so that's it. I don't I, I, no, I don't know. That's what I'm trying to. I, I don't think it is. Wait, Area 51. Yeah, you see it. New. That's Area 51. You can actually see it on Google oh, Maps. Yeah, Area 51. You can see a lot of the facility now. And Area 51 is still active. Yeah. Oh, d- big time. This is claiming they've. You can see a, a UFO from this picture, which is wow. 2000. Google Maps reveals secret base within 30 meter UFO with 30 meter UFO at Area 51 claims alien hunter. Where's that? Claims alien hunter. So we got to look at sources here. Uh, What's going on? I'm an alien hunter, bro. Yeah, man. I hate it when people call me a UFO enthusiast. I'm like, I'm Mm. fucking enthusiastic about waking up in the morning. Fucking. I'm a UFO enthusiast. You think that's okay? Call me that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I'm enthusiastic. That's their claim. Well, that's about everything, though. That's a UFO. Uh, Yeah. So that's what these some of these things I'm looking at. I'm like, I wouldn't even stop you guys to to bring this (laughs) up. (laughs) That's a goddamn building, you crackhead. Here's (laughs) the other thing I found just for clarity. It says you can. This is uh, someone tagged. Area or S four mm-hmm. on Google Maps. Like when you Google this, this is what comes up. But they've just circled like. Parts yeah, that's of the, the hillside where people oh. suggest it was. So built in. you can't really see anything from the sky. Well, that was the that would be the whole point of installations like this, which we do have. Right. Um, According to this map, this says this is a picture from 2022. I don't know what day. I don't see shit. Right. So they're just outlining where the area where it would be, but you really can't know. see people a damn guessing thing. or something. Yeah. Huh. Right but right. Th- wouldn't there be roads that you could see? So well, the so there, there, so in the older f- footage, there's you can see roads down to the lake, but that just means people drive down there. And Papoose Lake is a dry lake bed, correct? Right. So it's just south of Area 51. Uh, Area 51 is the box, right? So it is a designation within the Nellis base, and they're all numbered and labeled Papoose. So there's Area 51 proper with the runway, mm-hmm. and then where Bob. 
you know, would get on the bus is from Area 51, and, and I've, I have people that saw him get on, get on a bus and drive south, and then, you know, drive down to Papoose Lake. And is there a road that leads to Papoose There's two. Lake? So that one that goes along there. That's a road. There's yeah, a bunch of them. I mean, I don't know. There. So fuck, there's a in, real road out there. Wow. Roads going a couple of different directions. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I just. Fucking A. What is going on out know. there? That's new developments. What is going on out there? All right, Jeremy. All right, my friend. Thank you very much for coming in here. It's always a pleasure. Great to talk to you. Thank you for sharing whatever information you have and everything else. Show me off off air, and I won't I won't tell anybody. Okay, okay. Well, thanks for keeping the topic alive, Joe. Oh, listen, the topic is alive whether I keep it alive or not. That's it's, true. It's something true. that more so now than I think any time in our lives. Yeah, right. It is. It it's is exciting. Something's about to happen. Maybe. Oh, you know something? No, no. I, I hope. I hope with all this <laughs> shit, man. Come on. I hope so too. All right. All right thanks. Bye, man. everybody. 